Wrestling Podcast on this rainy Thursday, April the 6th, 2017, live on itsyourradio.com. I'm your host, Brian Sendek. With me as always, the co-host, Ryan Martorell. Ryan, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, man. Uh, it's been a while since we were on the air, simply because uh, last Thursday, both me and you, Ryan, were in Orlando for... WrestleMania season, the first time that I've ever attended a WrestleMania. Uh, a couple of times you've been to WrestleMania's, Ryan, so you knew what to expect during that crazy weekend. And uh, we got to recap it all, Ryan. It was a wild, wild weekend in professional wrestling, not just for the WWE, who, of course, had WrestleMania 33, NXT TakeOver Orlando, the Hall of Fame ceremony. But just that entire weekend, there was so much going on. In the wrestling world, you know, all throughout the independent scene, you know, Progress Wrestling, Revolution Pro Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, CZW, The Wrestling Revolver, Ring of Honor, so much went down that weekend, so we're going to give you guys a nice take from us on what went down that weekend, because both me and you, Ryan, went to a lot of those shows, we saw some great wrestling, we got the chance to meet some of the great wrestlers that took place in those shows, so we're going to give our recaps of that, plus again, we're going to give our full recap of WrestleMania 33, NXT TakeOver Orlando, our thoughts on the Hall of Fame that took place uh, that Friday night, you were in attendance for that, Ryan, uh, your thoughts being there live, also some little recap of Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, some big things happening on that show, so we're going to do that in the first hour. In the second hour, we'll start it off with this upcoming roster shakeup for the WWE announced by Vince McMahon this past Monday on Raw. Uh, beginning next week, we're going to have a roster shakeup. We're going to see some talent move to different shows. So we're going to talk about which potential talents will be moving to different brands. We've heard some rumors already about some of the names that could be moved. And we'll get our thoughts on that. And then we're going to end the show for you guys with our preview and our predictions for this upcoming weekend. New Japan Pro Wrestling is hosting a show, Sakura Genesis. Awesome card. A lot of big matches. We're going to give our full predictions for that. Before we get into all the festivities, people, you guys want to follow us on social media, on Twitter, follow us at Royal Ramble IYR. For us personally, you can follow myself at B underscore Sendek95. As for Ryan, it's at Ryan underscore Martirano. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. And again, guys, if you happen to miss us live, on itsyourradio.com. You can always hit the subscribe button on both iTunes and Stitcher. So let's get right into it, Ryan. WrestleMania weekend. Uh, before we get into the big show that was WrestleMania and the takeover, again, we it was the first experience for me being at a WrestleMania weekend festivities. Uh, 
I got the chance to go to a lot of wrestling shows. It began on Thursday, uh, attending both Evolve 80 and Joey Janela's Spring Break show. Two great shows. I got to give credit to to those guys who ran the shows there, especially Joey Janela, who his Spring Break show, it was the first show that he ever promoted in his career. And I got to say, man, awesome job, Joey. Loved it. It was a fun show, entertaining uh, some great wrestling as well. Some cool moments in, in in that show. Some big names, some legendary names were in that show as well. So uh, that was pretty cool to be there. Uh, on Friday, got the chance to watch Progress Wrestling and Revolution Pro Wrestling. Both me and you, Ryan, were in attendance for both those shows. Again, great, great shows from two great wrestling companies. Progress is one of the best up-and-coming wrestling companies on the planet. Producing some of the best British wrestlers you will ever see. Some big names that took place in that show. Uh, we also got to see some of the UK talents in that show from the UK Championship Tournament from the WWE. Guys like Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Mark Andrews. Awesome show. Revolution Pro as well was tremendous. Some great wrestling. Some big name superstars were in that show. Then on Saturday, Pancakes and Pile Drivers. I was there. Ryan was not, unfortunately. Another tremendous show. Great job by the Wrestling Revolver. They have also put together some pretty damn good shows for the past couple of months. And, of course, also happening those days, CZW's Best of the Best Tournament. Big congratulations to the one and only Dave Chris, who was a former guest of the show. Got the chance to meet him at Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Awesome, awesome guy. Thanks a lot for being cool, Dave. And a big congratulations as he is the Best of the Best Tournament winner. That's a big tournament. A lot of big names took place in that, in that tournament. And it was Dave that walked out the winner. Uh, Scorpio Sky, another former guest of ours, was in that same tournament. And a lot of the stuff went down that weekend, man. It was just so cool to meet the wrestlers. If there was any cool moment for me, being in those shows, watching those shows closely, uh, to get the chance to meet some of the wrestlers was so cool. I got the chance to meet Zack Sabre Jr., who's one of the best technical wrestlers, if not the best technical wrestler in the world, and is a triple champion all over the world. Could be a quadruple champion by the end of this weekend, as he gets set for a big title match in New Japan. Uh, met Michael Elgin, who's one of the best big guys in the business. This guy's been doing it for such a long time. Awesome meeting him. Uh, Matt Riddle, one of the hottest wrestlers right now in the world, who a big congratulations to him as well. He became the first ever WWN live champion. Great for Matt Riddle. He's been killing it as of late. Uh, personally, my favorite person I met was Marty Skrull. Uh, the current Ring of Honor television champion. He's been coming. He's starting to become one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Man, he's just he's just killing it every single time he's out there. And some other names: Sammy Callahan. I met. He's been red hot. He had a big weekend. He wrestled ten shows. Helped run three of them. Kudos to Sammy Callahan. Big weekend for him. Uh, Joey Janelle, like I mentioned before, got the chance to meet him. Congratulate him on his show. Another awesome guy. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Brian Cage, so many great moments that weekend, also met Pete Dunne and met Mustache Mountain, Jimmy Havoc, so many big names I met over the weekend, and that was probably my favorite part, the wrestling was great, there were so many great matches, but the highlight for me that weekend, being a part of those great wrestling shows, was getting the chance to meet the wrestlers that I'm big fans of. And again, you know, meeting Marty Skrull, meeting Zack Sabre Jr., meeting Michael Elgin, Matt Riddle, etc. Just cool, cool moments. And it was one of the best experiences of my life as a wrestling fan. I will never forget it. And I know we're a year away, people. 
But next year in New Orleans, I cannot wait to do it again. So awesome experience to be in Orlando, not just for WrestleMania, not just for TakeOver Orlando, but to be in attendance for so many great independent wrestling shows. And it was so awesome to get the chance to meet some of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, and that's the best part of it, too, is that, you know, it's not just about the WWE stuff, which, of course, is the most expensive stuff and is basically the reason that everybody goes down there in the first place. But like you said, it's all about the independent stuff as well. I mean, so many shows all across the board all weekend long uh, that they had literally four midnight shows in a row, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, that's how much was going on down there. That They had no other time to book those shows. That They had to put it at midnight. And people went. It was sold out for every single one of them. So, uh, you know, again, that's that's the best part about it is so much is going on. Uh, again, like you said, Brian, I mean, there's so many wrestlers out there that are meet and greet fans. You get to meet all of them uh, up close and personal. You get to see great matches all across the board. Everything is just so awesome, and you're surrounded by people that love the same thing that you do. Uh, you know, so many wrestling fans down there. I mean, everywhere in my hotel, a bunch of people wrestling shirts on the streets, everywhere. I mean, it, literally, Orlando was the wrestling town uh, over the weekend, and it was awesome to see. So, so many great events, like you said. We went to a couple of them. Me and you were both at Joey Janela's Spring Break show, which is on, which was last Thursday, a week from today. Uh, we went to that at midnight. Awesome show, like you said. I mean, congrats to uh, Joey Janelle for putting together an unbelievable, epic show. I mean, I just had so much fun at that show from everything that went down from him and Janetti uh, to the clusterfuck match with the with the Invisible Man. It was just, it was hilarious. It really was so much fun to watch. And then on our way out, we ran into the WWE UK champion, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, which was very, very cool as well. Talking to them at 3 a.m. Uh, before we got in our Uber to head home, that was pretty uh, pretty surreal if you think about it because, you know, again, just running into these guys there, you don't really expect them to be there in the first place. And when you see them it's kind of like oh shit that's them and uh you know to get up close and personal to get to talk to them for a little bit uh is very very cool like you said you met a ton of indie guys i did as well uh, one of my favorite guys i met over the weekend was definitely pete dunn met him at uh progress show i've been a fan of pete dunn ever since this uk tournament uh back in january he's been one of my favorites to watch and it was very very cool I actually bought one of his t-shirts got to talk to him for a little bit and then got a picture with him so he was very very cool the progress show was awesome Fortunately, I had to leave a little early from that show, but what I did see from that was just absolutely epic. And then we headed to Rev Pro, and that was also a great show. Uh, Marty Skrull and Ricochet, that was my favorite match of that show. Just so much fun uh, to attend. And then Pancakes and Pile Drivers looked like it was awesome. Unfortunately, I could not attend that. Uh, but then we had NXT that day, which was also great. Uh, you know, not a lot of title change, not any title changes actually, uh, which some people might say that hurt the show a little bit. But I don't know. I thought overall it was pretty, pretty good. Uh, I didn't really expect any of them to really change except for the women's title. But I, I can understand why Oscar retained. And I do think that title is eventually going to Ember Moon, you know, eventually. So uh, we'll worry about that somewhere down the line. But that was a great show as well. I thought WrestleMania 33 was awesome as well. We'll give our, our in-depth opinions in a little bit. But just to, to recap it all, I thought it was great. I thought Raw was great. Uh, SmackDown was a little disappointing. But overall, the weekend was just epic. Like you said, Brian, we... We met up a bunch of times at WrestleMania, at all these other shows, and we just had a blast. And like you said, I can't wait to do it again somewhere down the line. Uh, definitely a very, very successful first WrestleMania weekend. 
Yeah, and there's certain guys I want to give uh, big congratulations to. Like, my MVPs of the weekend on the independent scene, a couple of guys that come to mind. One of them is Sammy Callahan. I mentioned him earlier before. The man wrestled on 10 shows, all right? Four days, he wrestled on 10 freaking shows. That right there shows you that, that, guy, that this guy, Sammy Callahan, is willing to put the work in, and he wants to help make wrestling great. Not just WWE, but all around the world. He wants to help fans, you know, bring fans in to a whole different side of wrestling, man. Every show that I went to, I basically saw Sammy Callahan performing. Other than Evolve Wrestling and the two big shows in WWE, every show I went to, Sammy Callahan was on that show. He helped ran three of them as well. Awesome, awesome weekend, Sammy. Congratulations. Hopefully one day we get you on the podcast. I'm trying to work that out. I talked to Sammy uh, on Saturday at Pancakes and Pile Drivers, trying to get that worked out to get Sammy on board. Um, big uh, big weekend as well for Keith Lee, Limitless Keith Lee. Uh, this guy, if you have not seen Keith Lee perform, please check this guy out. He is a big guy, but he's a freak of nature in terms of athleticism. Awesome matches this weekend with guys like Ricochet, guys like Leo Rush, guys like Donovan Dijak and Jeff Cobb. He killed it, man. I thought there was any guy that stole the show this weekend, uh, excuse me, last weekend. It was definitely Keith Lee. Uh, Of course, Matt Riddle as well. What a weekend for him. WWN Live Champion. Got the chance to wrestle at Progress, defending his title there. Wrestled Drew Galloway at Evolve 80. Good, solid match between those two guys. Great weekend for Matt Riddle. Uh, again, Dave Chris, great weekend for him. Won best of the best. Uh, took place in Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Was also at the Broken Tailgate Party. Dave Chris just continues to roll uh, in 2017. It's going to be a big year for Dave. And uh, Joey Janela. I mean, like I said, this guy got the chance to promote his own wrestling show, Spring Break. Awesome, awesome show. Big congrats to Joey Janela on that. Got the chance to meet him on Saturday at Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Great talking to him. Awesome guy. Again, just like Sammy. Looking to get him on the show as well. Very cool guy. And, um, you know, we wish the best for Joey Janela down the road as he has big things in store for him. He was also part of the Best of the Best tournament. Was also involved in Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Uh, also got the chance to wrestle uh, with his girlfriend, Penelope Ford, against uh, the world's cutest tag team, Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan. That was pretty cool. So those were guys to me that really stood out this weekend for WrestleMania. Uh, Ryan, any particular guys from your eyes that you think stole the show WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, I mean, the similar ones, uh, you know, that that caught your eye as well. I'd say the same. I mean, Matt Riddle, of course, becoming the first ever WWN champion. He won all of his matches this weekend. Sammy Callahan, like you said, I mean, my God. I think if I had to pick one guy, it was Sammy Callahan. I mean, for God's sake, the guy wrestled, like you said, on 10 freaking shows. And not even just like, literally, there was like three shows a day this guy was wrestling on. I mean, we saw him at Progress. And then, literally, like, we saw him at RevPro a couple of hours later. Like, he was literally wrestling a match, taking off, going to the next show. Wrestling match, taking off, going to the next show. I mean, that's 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 pretty crazy to do. I mean, I know that all the shows are in the same area, uh, you know, with each other. But still, to, to come out of one match, to get back on the road, to go to another place, to wrestle another match just a couple of hours later. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, these guys aren't used to doing that. So, that is absolutely crazy. So, I'd say Sammy Callahan as well. And, and I'd say Joey Janela because, again, I did not really know Joey Janela. I wasn't really familiar with him uh, until this whole spring break thing came together. But after this weekend, I have a clear indication of who Joey Janela exactly is. He's just awesome. And like you said, he's wrestled at uh, CCW's Best of the Best. 
He wrestled at Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Uh, you know, he was he teamed up with his girlfriend Penelope Ford. Um, I'm not really sure if that was at Beyond Wrestling. I, I believe it was at Beyond Wrestling uh, as well. Uh, and of course, he was at his Spring Break show wrestling Janetti, which is a lot of fun. I mean, he he killed it as well. Again, did not know him really before this, but coming out of this weekend, I know him pretty damn well. So I'd say those three are my top three MVPs of the weekend. Of course, there's others out there, but those three really stand out to me the most. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, congratulate those guys for a crazy weekend. Uh, just continuing to do their best and making wrestling uh, not just all about WWE, uh, but there's so many great wrestling companies uh, all around the world here in the United States, over in the United Kingdom, in Mexico, in Japan. Just a crazy, just a crazy, crazy weekend, and I was so honored to be a part of the experience. But let's now move on to the big shows. WrestleMania 33, NXT TakeOver Orlando, the two big shows that headlined the weekend. Starting off with WrestleMania 33, it was my first uh, WrestleMania experience to be uh, at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Uh, just an amazing experience, first off, uh, to be in attendance for the biggest show of the year. Uh, last year's was a very disappointing show, but this year I thought WWE rebounded in a very nice way. Still some stuff that kind of like confused me a little bit and i was a little bit disappointed but there was a lot more positives with this year's show than last year's show and it started off really really hot uh aj styles and she mcmahon a match that you know ryan that i was not really in favor of because i just didn't expect this to be a good match especially if it was going to be a singles match which turned out to be there really wasn't a stipulation until the match went further along then we started seeing these guys put each other through some tables some weapons were involved and i gotta say man i gotta eat some crow uh, AJ Styles and Shane McMahon had maybe the best match on the entire card. I was listening to Dave Meltzer before, and he said if there was any match in that show that I would give the highest grade to, he said it would be Shane and AJ. That's a lot of praise. Um, just because, you know, uh, again, AJ Styles is simply one of the best in the world, uh, if not the best in the world. I still think to this day, at even age 39, going on 40, there's nobody better in the wrestling world than AJ Styles. A guy just knows how to put on a show every single time he's in that ring. He knows how to make his opponents look great. He puts them over. He puts himself over. And he did his job in trying to make Shane McMahon look good in this match. And right out of the gate, I was like, you know, right out of the gate, it started off slow. I was like, yeah, you can tell that this match may not be good. But again, once the weapons got involved and, you know, AJ brought in the trash can, uh, the table spot from Shane McMahon, so many other cool moments in that match. Then the match started getting better. And in the very end, it was AJ that walked out the winner. Thank God if Shane McMahon would have won that match, I would have not been happy. AJ could not afford to lose that match to a non-wrestler. But I got to eat some crow, man. I got to give credit to both AJ and Shane. Shane impressed me a lot. He looked pretty good in the match. Again, started off slow, but as the match went on, he got better. He got with the flow. And he and AJ worked a pretty solid match. And it was a good way to kick off the show. Right after that, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho wrestled for the United States title. Very good match. Not a lot of people are talking about it, but I went back and watched the match. It was very good. Told a very good story. Kind of a weird ending because, you know, Owens did his trademark uh, powerbomb on the apron on the outside. Rolled Jericho in the ring and then pinned him 1-2-3. I was expecting to see another po uh, pop-up powerbomb, but it is what it is. Owens winning the belt. Makes a lot of sense. Jericho's going on tour soon with his group, Fozzie. Owens needed to win the match. He did. Got his revenge on Jericho. Just a good, solid match. Great chemistry between those two guys. 
uh, Owens and Jericho. They're going to have a rematch as well, a payback. That should be pretty good as well. So right out of the gate, the AJ Shimmick-Man match was really good, and the Owens and Jericho match was really good, and it was a good way to kick off WrestleMania 33. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can't complain when the first two matches at WrestleMania uh, you know, are with involving AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, and both those guys are coming out with wins. I mean, you really can't complain about that in any way. But like you said, I mean, I think AJ and Shane really surprised a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of grief from this match was that it wasn't a hardcore match, but it ended up being kind of a hardcore match. I mean, they used a, a couple of different weapons. They used a garbage can, uh, you know, and it really... <clears throat> Mate got some intrigue into the match because, you know, Shane did his signature spot, you know, going coast to coast. And when AJ tried doing it, he hit AJ with a garbage can. And I just think, you know, again, that helped the match a little bit. I thought Shane was going to do more insane, crazy things, but he didn't really go all that nuts. But again, he really hung in there with AJ. And I was really surprised. Again, uh, you know, he, I thought AJ was going to be light years ahead of him. I thought, you know, it was going to be really too fast paced for him. But nah, he stuck with it, and he really impressed a lot of people. So I'm glad. I'm really glad as well because uh, if Meltzer said that that was one of his favorite matches, I gotta I gotta agree with him. I think that was one of the best matches. Uh, it was a great way to open up the show too. Like you said, I uh, really couldn't think of a better start than having AJ beat Shane McMahon. And I knew AJ was gonna win. I mean, it would just make no sense if Shane won. Uh, I mean, again, like you know, AJ Styles is the future here. I, I think Shane knows that. I mean. Uh, Vince knows that. Everybody knows that. There's no way they were going to give the win to Shane here. Uh, but I'm glad that it turned out to be a lot better than what people originally thought it was going to be. Uh, and then, the, like you said, the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho match, though, was very, very good as well. But not a lot of people talking about it coming out of WrestleMania. But that's okay because, again, like you said, the finish was very, very weak. I mean, I was shocked when he did the powerbomb on the apron and just rolled him in and covered him. I mean, you don't really see that happen nowadays where it's like a finish that you don't see coming. Usually you can tell when the finish is, is going to be coming to a match, but uh, that wasn't the case in this uh, match, and I was very, very surprised. But, again, I couldn't really be upset because Kevin Owens was the United States champion. So, uh, again, when you have AJ Styles winning and Kevin Owens winning back-to-back to, back to open up WrestleMania, I don't think anybody can complain about that. Yeah, and uh, before we get into the other main card matches, we forgot to talk about the pre-show matches. Uh, it kicked off with the Cruiserweight title match between Neville and Austin Aries. A uh, very good match. I wish this match was on the main card, though it wasn't. Uh, no surprise, though, with the decision, Neville winning the belt over Aries. Look, I know a lot of people wanted Aries to win, but Neville needs this win more. Uh, ever since becoming champion, he's been skyrocketed to the top of this division. He's been on such a tear. If he would have lost this match, who the heck knows what's going to happen next with Neville. Aries loses the match. He's still going to be Austin Aries. He's still going to be around. Neville needed to win the match. He did, so that was a good way to kick off the pre-show. Uh, Mojo Raleigh winning the Battle Royal, to me... That decision just tells me that this battle royal is such a joke. It really is. It's a gimmick battle royal. It has no meaning whatsoever. Because if it did have a meaning, then guys like Braun Strowman, guys like Sami Zayn would have won this match. I'm sorry. that To see Mojo Raleigh go over some big names like Braun Strowman, who's been pushed to the moon on Monday Night Raw. To Sami Zayn, who's a former NXT champion. To see those two guys not win this battle royal, but Mojo Raleigh does... It's a gimmick match, and it, and, it, and it proved my point because Rob Gronkowski, who was a big supporter and a big fan of Mojo Raleigh, got involved in the match. And it was just a way for WWE to showcase a celebrity on their show. They always do it every year. This year, it was Rob Gronkowski. He got his moment, and he helped Mojo Raleigh win the Battle Royal. 
Uh, is it going to lead to anything for Mojo? I highly doubt it because, again, you know, this is a tournament that has no meaning whatsoever. It's just a way to get other superstars on the show. If they have no match, they're in this Battle Royal, and that was the position for Mojo Riley. And he won this Battle Royal simply because they wanted to put over uh, Rob Gronkowski's good friend because they want to make headlines like, holy crap, Rob Gronkowski, Super Bowl champion of the Patriots. Got involved in WrestleMania, helped Mojo Riley win the Battle Royal. It's a stupid gimmick match, and it has no meaning. And then the Intercontinental title was on the line during the pre-show. A little bit of a surprise there, uh, but Dean Ambrose retained over Baron Corbin. Okay match, did not agree with the decision. Uh, I, I understand why they want to keep the bell on Dean. He's one of the more popular figures on SmackDown Weekly, but Baron Corbin was on such a roll. He should have won this match. You know, This guy deserves a title run. He's been really rolling as of late. So I didn't agree with that match either, but that was the pre-show for you guys. Neville retains the Cruiserweight title. Dean Ambrose retains the Intercontinental title, and Mojo Raleigh wins the fourth annual Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Yeah, I mean, the pre-show is just that. You know, there's a reason why they call it a pre-show. It wasn't all that great. Uh, I thought Aries and Neville was pretty good. Uh, but to the surprise, uh, you know, of myself, I, I, I really I really thought Aries was going to win this belt. I predicted it was going to happen. Uh, I thought a lot of people thought it was going to be coming. Uh, but I guess I understand why they're keeping on, on Neville for the time being. If they took it off of him, it would have been a short reign for him. And he doesn't deserve that because of on how good of a role he is on right now. So I understand that. I didn't really have a problem with that so much. Uh, I think Austin Aries will get it somewhere down the line. But I thought that was a pretty good match uh, you know, to kick off the pre-show. Again, shouldn't have been on the pre-show in the first place. We all know that. But um, overall, I thought it was pretty good. The Battle Royal, like you said, it's nothing but a joke, Brian. I mean, you know what? If this thing was any more than a joke, uh, when Cesaro won it, he would have became world champion. And right then and there, when you saw that Cesaro didn't do anything with it, you saw Baron Corbin didn't do anything with it. Uh, who was the other one? The Big Show won it. Of course, nothing happened with him. So, uh, of course, this thing is a joke. It's been on the pre-show for the past couple of years, too. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a way to get all the people on the card uh, in some fashion. I mean, it was ridiculous. Some of them just took the walk down the ramp when the match started. They just got tossed out. I mean, what a waste of time, basically. Their WrestleMania moment was walking down the ramp for literally 30 seconds. I mean, what a complete joke. Uh, but like you said, they have to get a celebrity involved in some way. And they also got to get the ESPN Sports Center headlines uh, somehow as well, and that was their way of doing it with Rob Gronkowski. Uh, right when Braun Strowman got eliminated, I thought Sami Zayn was going to win. Right after Sami Zayn got eliminated, you could tell that something was up here, and they kept showing Rob Gronkowski on the sc screen the whole entire time. So I kind of got the feeling that it was going to be Mojo Rawley winning this match, and sure enough, it was. Again, no comment. Like you said, I highly doubt anything comes about from this. I highly doubt he does anything with this. It's going to be, you know, a hot thing right now. I know he did a backstage promo on SmackDown with the trophy, whatever. But after a while, people are going to forget about it. Because, again, this thing is just not memorable. And nobody cares about it. It's, like you said, Brian, it's a complete joke. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they announced the Intercontinental title 
match was actually going to be on the pre-show, but I guess when they mapped out the times for all this, all these other matches on the main card, they had no choice but to put another match on the pre-show, and they got a lot of grief for originally putting the women's match on there, so I guess they had to swap it out with something, so Dean and Corbin made sense. To me, it wasn't an all-that-great match. It was okay. It was decent. Uh, I was very surprised that Dean Ambrose retained. Again, like you said, Brian, I don't, I don't agree with that decision at all. I think if any title should have changed hands... Um, out of the, you know, out of those matches right there, it should have been Baron Corbin winning the IC title. I mean, why the heck not? What the hell has Dean Ambrose been doing with this belt since he won it back in early January? He's done nothing with it. I don't understand why he still has the belt. But again, Baron Corbin pinned him on SmackDown, so I assume he gets a rematch for that belt. But again, his moment should have came with a win at Mania. It made no sense to me. But like you said, that was the pre-show. Nothing really that special. Yeah, so you had the pre-show, and then right into the gate, you had two very good matches with uh, AJ and Shane and Owens and Jericho. Right after the Owens and Jericho match, then the show started becoming a little bit inconsistent with their match quality. Starting off right after the Owens and Jericho match, we had the Fatal 4-Way Women's Title match. Uh, between Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Nia Jax. If there was any match that I was more disappointed of on the show, it was definitely this match for multiple reasons. Number one, the match went very, very quick. I'm looking at the duration right now. The match went for 12 minutes and 8 seconds. That's a very quick match for this type of match for the Women's Championship. The way they have booked the women, you would think they would have more time to do something. They weren't given a lot of time. That was one problem. The second problem was the way these girls were eliminated because it was an elimination match. Uh, getting rid of Nia Jax first was the right move. Look, she may be the biggest uh, in this match, but she's definitely the weakest link in terms of popularity and success. She still has a lot to learn. I do, I do believe one day she'll be women's champion, but right now is not the time. So it was smart to get her out of the way, and I like the way they eliminated her as all three women, Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey, all triple team Nia to get her eliminated. That was good. But then the Sasha Banks elimination was very, very weak. She was eliminated because her face hit the freaking second or third turnbuckle. I'm not sure which one it was. She got hit in the face with the turnbuckle. Charlotte pinned Sasha. She's eliminated. Made no sense. You need to have a better elimination than that. And then Bailey eliminates Charlotte with an elbow drop from the top rope. She didn't even use the Bailey to belly move on Charlotte to eliminate her. It was a freaking elbow drop that eliminated Charlotte from the match. So those were the two biggest reasons why this match was very disappointing. The eliminations were bad, and the girls weren't given enough were not given enough enough time. They the decision to keep the bell on Bailey was the right one. It would have made no sense for Bailey to drop the bell. She needs to have a good long title reign. Uh, she deserves it. She's a great talent, but. It was just a weak match to me because the eliminations were just not that great. And the time was not great either. 12 minutes and 8 seconds for a women's title match. Especially with the way they booked the women lately. It's just not good enough. And the, and the, and the eliminations came out of nowhere. You just didn't see it coming. Whoever thought that Sasha Banks was going to get eliminated after her face hit the turnbuckle? Who thought that Charlotte was going to get eliminated from an elbow drop from the top rope, it didn't make sense. The the, the the elimination should have been a lot better. And the match should have been a little bit longer than what it originally was. And like I said before, people, if there was any match that I was more disappointed of on the card, it was definitely the women's match. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have to agree with that. And I was very surprised with that as well because I thought... 
this was going to be a pretty solid match. Uh, you know, obviously you have three of the best women's talent in WWE today, and then you have Nia Jax. I mean, I thought that was going to be a pretty solid match. It was very, very short, like you said, but I'm starting to think or get the feeling that it wasn't supposed to be originally that uh, short of a match. I, I just feel like, you know, they booked so much for WrestleMania, including a concert with Pitbull and Flo Rida involved in that. And then you think of the entrances, and then you have to announce the Hall of Fame inductees again. And you know, everything takes time, which is why WrestleMania ran over seven hours long. So t to me, I feel like they had to cut this match a little bit short. I originally think that it wasn't supposed to be this short. Um, but again, that just doesn't make up for the fact that, like you said, Brian, the eliminations were very, very weak. None of them used any finishers to put away any of them. Uh, like you said, Nia Jax getting out first was the right move. Again, I don't even know why she was in the match in the first place. I mean, again, I do understand it a little bit because, you know, she's involved, uh, whatever. But she has no place in that match. She was not going to win. Nobody cares about her. Like you said, she's weak in popularity. It, I think it would have been better if it was just a triple threat. But uh, it is what it is. And then, like you said, Sasha's elimination, very, very weak. And then Bailey's win, very, very weak. I mean, why didn't any of them use their finishers to put anybody away? Especially Bailey, when she was going to beat Charlotte to retain the title, when it was just the two of them. Why couldn't she use the Bailey to Belly? I mean, this is WrestleMania you're talking about. It's not some B-level pay-per-view where you could probably get away with not using your finisher to win the match. I mean, how do you not use your finisher, for God's sake? It made no sense. Now, if she doesn't elbow drop to Charlotte on Raw, is she going to pin her 1-2-3? Yeah, no, I highly doubt it. So, like, why... why did she pin her at WrestleMania then if that would not happen on a Raw or anything like that? So to me, that just made no sense. It was the right move for Bailey to keep the belt because, like you said, Bailey deserves a long run with this belt. But to me, it just it was it was a bummer. It really was coming out of it after the match, after Bailey won. I just couldn't get myself to be happy about it because it just was a huge disappointment in my opinion. And I also think too, it should have came down to Bailey and Sasha. I think they should have gave us Bailey and Sasha a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, again, that turns into the next feud. you got to get Charlotte at the women's title feud. It's about time that she gets out of it for a little bit. She's been in it for so long. Sasha deserves to be the next person in there. So those are the problems that I had with that match. But like you said, very, very disappointing overall. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree with you. It should have been Sasha and Bailey. We all know that's going to be the next big story. We've heard the rumors of her turning heel. They should have started planting the seeds at WrestleMania for those two girls to be the final two of this match. Bailey beats Sasha, and then the next now Raw, or two weeks later, we see Sasha turn heel. But we didn't get that. We saw Bailey versus Charlotte, which, okay, I guess. But again, I completely disagree with the way they ended the match. Bailey should have used her finisher, not an elbow drop. That's not her finisher. Her finisher is a Bailey to belly suplex. She's always used that to win matches, not an elbow drop. So. Disappointing match and a very, very weak finish to the match. So we so we went from a disappointing match to a, a pretty good match, but a great moment that took place. So the next matchup was the tag team ladder match for the Raw Tag Team titles. It was originally Gals and Anderson, the tag team champions, against Cesaro and Sheamus and Enzo and Cass. That was the original match. Right before the match was supposed to happen, here comes the New Day, who were the hosts of WrestleMania. And they announced that this match is now a Fatal 4-Way match. From the beginning, I thought it was going to be the New Day because they were in their ring gear. But as 
the more they stood on the stage, the more I had a funny feeling that some other tag team was going to be involved in this match. And boy, that one tag team was none other than the Hardy Boys. Matt and Jeff Hardy, who the night before dropped their tag team titles and Ring of Honor to the Young Bucks in a ladder match. The next night, they appear at WrestleMania in another ladder match, and they wind up winning the tag team titles from Raw. What a, an incredible moment. If there was any moment from this show, when we look back five years from now at WrestleMania 33, and we look back at what was the most, what was the greatest moment from that show, you can make a case that it was the Hardy Boys returning. The atmosphere was electric. I've never heard a building scream that loud. And I was in attendance when the Dully Boys came back the night after SummerSlam a couple of years ago in Brooklyn. That place erupted when they came back. This was 10 times louder when the Hardy Boys came back. It was a cr- an incredible, incredible moment. They got in the match. It was a good, solid match. It was short, but there were some good moments in the match, whether it was Matt Hardy hitting the uh, twist of fate from the top of the ladder to Jeff Hardy's trademark swanton bomb off the ladder through two people on another ladder. I was a little bit surprised that the Hardy Boys won the match, and there were some people that disagreed with the decision to put the belts on them, but... Let's be honest, people. Who gives a crap? It was such a good moment that it doesn't matter who won the match. If the Hardy Boys win, so what? They're back. They're the tag team champions. I don't care. It's just a cool moment to see both Matt and Jeff back. And in terms of them as the broken gimmick, uh, right now they're not using that gimmick. But they said at some point down the road, they'll relive the broken gimmicks. And that is good because, again, you can't bring Matt and Jeff back without any sign of them. Without the, bro- without the broken gimmicks. You need to have these guys back. Some shape and form. Of them using the broken gimmick. All right, If they just come back as Team Extreme. No relation to the broken gimmick. People will be upset. Because you heard the chants. When Matt and Jeff came out. The whole place was yelling. Delete. 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 They have become so popular. With this broken gimmick. That they had to stay as the Broken Hardys. To go along with Team Extreme, if they can mix it together, that'll be perfect. But what an incredible moment! What an incredible moment it was to see Matt and Jeff back in the WWE for the first time, I believe, in seven, eight years. I think it's been. Jeff left in 2009. I think Matt left a year later. It was an incredible moment. The place erupted, and to me, if there was any moment that shined the most at this year's WrestleMania, I know there's another moment at the end of the show we got to talk about. But man. What a memory, and welcome back, Matt. Welcome back, Jeff. The Hardy Boys are back, and they are the new Raw Tag Team Champions. This was personally my favorite part of the show. I mean, this was just unbelievable. Like you said, Brian, what a freaking cool moment to be there for live in attendance. I mean, when when that match first, you know, all, all the partic- participants came out, the club came out, Enzo and Cass came out, um, Cesaro and Sheamus came out. And then you think the match is going to start, and then here comes the New Day. As soon as the New Day came out, I thought they were putting themselves in the match. But then when they said it was a fourth team, and then they, they you know, they kind of hinted that it wasn't going to be themselves, that is when I knew that it had to be Matt and Jeff Hardy. And my God, I got my camera ready as well as everybody else. And when that music hit, like you said, Brian, I mean, literally, the pop was insane. People lost their shit. This guy standing next to me was jumping up and down on his chair, off his chair. He was going nuts. People went insane to see the Hardy Boys back. And, I mean, wh- I mean, myself included, I mean, it was a great moment. 
And at that point, too, when you have them come out, you have the fans hyped up, literally, I mean, throughout this whole entire match. You know, I, I didn't even care to see anybody else. I just wanted to see the Hardy Boys. And when they were on the outside of the ring and you, you had, like, Sheamus and Cesaro fighting Enzo and Cass in the ring, I, um, I, like, didn't even care because I just wanted the Hardys to get in there. I wanted Matt and Jeff to get get in the rings. I wanted to see what they were going to do. And at that point, too, when you have them out there, they had to win the match. I, I mean, come on. People are so hyped up on them. They could not lose that match. I mean, come on. And the whole thing, uh, you know, again, if people followed them before, you know, obviously they returned when they were still in TNA towards the end of their TNA runs, they were on this expedition of gold which is why, you know, they won all the tag team titles all across the world. Then they showed up in Ring of Honor their first night there. They won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles on their first night. So it's only fitting that they win the Raw Tag Team titles on their first night back. Again, it fits into the storyline that they have been built towards, which is this Expedition of Gold type thing. Uh, as far as the broken gimmicks go... You know what? I think they are going to come eventually. Now is not the right time, especially with TNA suing them and all their legal things going on right now. They probably just don't want to even get involved, get in trouble. So they're going to wait until this all settles down. And then I think they'll switch over to them. Like you said, you can't go into, you can't have them return as the broken gimmicks. You can't. You have to return them to WWE uh, You know, as Team Extreme. Like, people remember them as. They were never broken in WWE. So, again, you can't really introduce them that way. You have to slowly transition into that like they did in TNA. Because not many people, even though, like you said, Brian, there were people in the, in the crowd chanting, delete, delete, delete. Not everybody knows what that means. Not everybody followed them throughout their careers in TNA. So, I think they slowly have to transition it. And they have to educate the WWE universe on the broken gimmicks and who they really are and how it how it becomes what it is. So I think eventually transitioning into that is a lot better than them just coming in as the gimmick already uh, itself. So like you said, just an incredible moment. Uh, you know, from Matt Hardy's twist of fate, you know, to uh, you know uh, Carl Anderson off the top of the ladder, to Jeff Hardy swanton bomb, 20 feet off the ladder. Just insane, absolutely insane to see them back. Like you said, it's seven long years. It was an incredible moment. Yeah, so again, we talk about the inconsistency. So we had a bad match from the women to a good match. In the uh, latter match, we saw the Hardy Boys make their triumphant return. Then we went to another bad match. And in terms of in-ring, this was by far the worst match of the entire card. John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Maurice. A match that in the very beginning, I was not a fan of. I didn't want to see the couples face each other. I rather would have seen Cena and Miz duke it up by themselves. The women could get involved, but not in the match. And boy, was I not shocked on how bad this match was. The buildup was very good. The way the Miz and Cena were going at each other week by week on SmackDown was very, very good. The wives as well getting involved was very, very good. But this match was only put together so that John Cena and Nikki Bella in the very end, when they win the match, which they did... Cena would propose to Nikki Bella, and that's exactly what happened. Miz out of the gate was co was cocky as whole hell, you know, beating down John Cena, and then Nikki Bella comes in, Cena's, you know, back to his old self. Boom, the double five-knuckle shuffle, double AA, match is over just like that. The match ended in 9 minutes and 40 seconds. That is a joke. And basically, two of your top stars on SmackDown, Cena and The Miz, you just wasted... 
a, you just wasted their opportunity on WrestleMania. Why? Because you wanted John Cena to finally ask the question to Nikki Bella, would you marry me? I can give two shits about what John Cena said about Nikki Bella. I did not care in the world. I was just pissed off that at WrestleMania, when you had two of your top stars in the same match, this is what you give the fans? Really? It was a terrible match. Like I said, in-ring-wise, the match was terrible. I, I the, the women's match was probably the most disappointing, but the in-ring match, the, the in-ring uh, wise of the match was solid. This whole Cena Miz stuff, the in-ring stuff was terrible. It was god awful. It was quick, and like I said, the only way, the only reason why this match happened is for Cena to finally pop the question to Nikki Bella, which he did. She said yes. Shocking. Oh my God, Nikki Bella said yes. What? She's gonna say no? I mean, that would be pretty funny if she said no, but we all know it's not going to happen. So, again, you know, another match that was just so disappointing, but a match that I had no expectations for because I was never a fan of this match. Yes, the build-up was very good. The chemistry that John Cena and The Miz have is tremendous, but I knew that this was going to happen. That I didn't think the match would end that quickly, but you just knew that this match didn't feel important. It was just a way to have these guys go at each other, build a story that Cena is never going to propose to Nikki, Cena and Nikki win the match, and at the very end, Cena's on the microphone, he pops the question, she says yes, oh my god, happily ever after, I can give two shits, it doesn't do anything for me. And you just wasted a spot, an opportunity to put together another good Cena Miz match with this current storyline. They didn't do that. They just put these two guys together to tell a story, a story that I don't care about. And they achieved that. Have Cena go over Miz. And then pop the question to Nikki Bella. Would you marry me? And that's it. It was a stupid moment. I don't care. People may look back at this and say, Oh, what a great moment. It wasn't a great moment. There was no meaning to this. It was just a wasted match. And a way to just get Cena to pop the question to Nikki Bella. I don't care about that. It doesn't do anything for me. And all I know is that you wasted a great chance to put together a good match between Miz and Cena and even the wives. This had a great chance to be a good match. It was a waste because all they focused on was having this match end so that Cena could finally ask the question to Nikki Bella, would you marry me? And guess what, people? I could care less. Yeah, like you said, I had no expectations for this coming into it. This was not a match I was looking forward to. Uh, again, it was the shortest match on the card, nine minutes, like you said. Uh, re- really, again, nothing really happened. It wasn't memorable. I'm trying to think of what happened in the match. I mean, that's how bad it was that I really can't remember any big spots except for the double five-knuckle shuffle and at the end where they both did their finishers. I really I, I can't remember anything else that happened in, in, in the match. I really can't. But like you said... It was all just to end it quickly so that John Cena could ask Nikki Bella, obviously, to marry him. Obviously, that's what this whole storyline has been about. Obviously, you kind of figured this was coming. Miz and Maurice teased it every single week. They brought it up. That's all. The whole entire storyline was built on them making fun of John Cena because he wouldn't marry Nikki Bella and vice versa. I, I mean, it just it was... Again, that's what the whole storyline was. So, of course, that was going to happen. 
you know, again, after the match, right as Cena grabbed the mic, you knew it was coming. I mean, we didn't really need the whole story about how she went into the surgery and he asked her a question when she was all unconscious or whatever. Whatever the heck he was just blurting out on the microphone. I don't think we really needed the whole explanation, the whole story. But you know what? That was their moment, whatever. He, he Again, this was all about them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, sitting there listening to this and people around me just booing the hell out of it. It, it didn't look pretty. I don't know how it came off on television or on the WWE Network or whatever, but around me, all you heard was booze, and it was just, it was pretty bad. So, uh, again, obviously, they're engaged now. They're going to be going away. They're off television for a little bit, uh, and then we'll see what happens when they return. But, yeah, like you said, Brian, a complete waste of Cena and The Miz at WrestleMania, a complete waste of all these weeks of build, basically, towards this match because, again, for it to be nine minutes long, not memorable in one way, it just, again, people are just going to remember it for him proposing to her. That's basically it. So, again, like you said, a waste of time. And it was kind of tough, too, because it had to follow the Hardys. So right after the Hardys returned and won the titles, that everybody's focus kind of was, like, still on that. So they really couldn't move on to this. I couldn't grip, grip you know, I couldn't wrap my finger around this match after seeing that. So, again, it, it was kind of tough. But even still, it was a waste of time, like you said. And then we continue the trend from a bad match to a good match. The next match that happened was Seth Rollins versus Triple H in a non-sanctioned match. First off, the entrances were tremendous. That might have been Triple H's best entrance, and he's known for every WrestleMania for having a memorable entrance. This year's was incredible. He was on this big-ass motorcycle with Stephanie behind him. The cops were in front of him, you know, leading him, leading him away to the ring. It was just so cool to see. Seth Rollins comes out. He's got a flamethrower. That was pretty cool to see. And it was a great match. It was a long match, 25 minutes and 30 seconds. So they were given a lot of time. And they put together a very solid match. Some good moments in the match. No bigger moment than when Stephanie was put through a table by Triple H on accident, of course. Then right after Seth Rollins hits him with the pedigree, match is over. The only problem that I had with this match, Ryan, was that we didn't see any other involvement. And I was convinced that we're going to see a Samoa Joe get involved because he's been involved in this storyline. Of course, he was the one that injured Seth Rollins and almost kept Seth Rollins out of WrestleMania. Seth Rollins, fortunately, though, was not hurt that badly. He was able to go. That's good to see from Seth Rollins. I was convinced that Samoa Joe was going to get involved in this match. That didn't happen. It was a clean match, top to back, uh, uh, top to bottom. No inter- no interferences, no involvement. Seth and Triple H would just went at it by themselves with no, excuse my language, fuckery. That's what I was expecting. We didn't see that. And that was unfortunate because Samoa Joe was not on the show. He's one of the biggest stars on Raw, and he was not on the WrestleMania show. If there was any way to put him on the show, it should have been in this match. They didn't. That was a problem that I had. If you have Joe involved, it creates more intrigue. I thought with Joe, with Joe getting involved, we could have seen Finn Balor get involved. That didn't happen either. But anyway, for what it was, it was a good, solid match between Seth and Triple H. Some good moments. Um... Like I said before, Stephanie getting put through a table. That was pretty cool to see. Seth Rollins ending the match with the pedigree. Good way to see Seth Rollins get some revenge on Triple H. If Triple H won the match, uh, that would not have been good. And that's one of the reasons why I love Hunter. Because he's not your ordinary part-timer. You know, This is a guy that 
puts over the young town. We see a lot of part-timers go over the full-timers. We've seen that with Goldberg. We've seen it with Brock Lesnar. We've seen it with The Rock. We've seen it with The Undertaker. Triple H is the complete opposite. He puts over the young talent. He's done that with Daniel Bryan. He's done that with Roman Reigns. And now he's done it with Seth Rollins. And that's what part-timers should do. Triple H knows that he has no business winning these matches anymore. Triple H's great glory days are done. He knows that the future has to go over because they're going to be leading this company, not Triple H. And I respect Hunter for that because he knows it's about the future, not about the past. And he has shown that the past couple of years putting over the full-timers, and he did it again this year with Seth Rollins. Heck, he even let Seth Rollins use his own finisher to put him away and win the match. That's my respect right there from Triple H. So, very, very good match. Again, my only disappointment was we didn't see any involvement from Samoa Joe. That should have happened, but it didn't. It was good for what it was, and great for see, great to see Seth Rollins healthy, back in the ring action, and picking up the big win over Triple H. Yeah, absolutely. This is one I was looking forward to the most, um, and it definitely delivered in a big way. And like you said, uh, starting off with the entrances, we, uh, Triple H is known for always having a great entrance. And like you said, this is probably one of the best ones he's had in a long time. Um, you know, getting escorted to the ring by the police, uh, you know, driving that big giant motorcycle thing, driving it all the way around the ring, too. Uh, it was pretty badass. I, I really, really thought it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, Seth Rollins coming out with the flamethrower, like you said. Uh, you know, didn't really do much with it. I don't really know what the point of that was, to be honest with you. But, uh, again, both entrances great the match itself was very very good as well uh, a couple of great spots i love the ending like you said with triple h accidentally bumping into stephanie and she flies through the table and then uh you know seth Rollins. he turns around seth Rollins is right there pedigree and the match is over i thought it was great uh you know in you know and the involvement uh in terms of storyline wise i mean really where was samoa joe i mean how does you know samoa joe we see him every single week He's beating the hell out of Seth Rollins. He's coming out to to uh, you know align himself with Triple H, and then on the biggest stage and the biggest match, we don't see him. To me, it doesn't make sense storyline wise. But I'm kind of glad it didn't happen in a way too, because as cool as it would have been to see Samoa Joe at WrestleMania, I think this match did not need any involvement. It just should have been Triple H and Seth Rollins duking it out in the ring, and that's exactly what it was. And I thought it was perfect. I really did. I thought the match was very, very good. And, you know, Seth Rollins looked fine. He looked absolutely fine. You, you wouldn't even be able to tell that he just went through this this thing with his knee again. You could not even tell. That's how healthy he looked. Uh, so kudos to him. Even on Raw, he looked great as well. So maybe he's over this. He's done with it. It's great to see if that's the case. But those two definitely delivered in a big way. And it was good to see Seth Rollins get the win. Like you said, Triple H knows what he's doing. He knows who the future is. He he does not need to win anymore. I mean, it still mind boggles me that he won at WrestleMania 31 against Sting. Don't really know why he didn't. He won at that point. But you know what? When it comes to facing f uh, future stars like this, like Seth Rollins, there's no way he's going to put himself before him. So, uh, again, I thought it was tremendous. It definitely delivered. The ending was great. And uh, it was the right decision having Seth win. Yeah, absolutely. And then, once again, we went from a great match to another poor match. And that was the Randy Orton-Bray Wyatt match for the WWE Championship. Uh, another match that did not have a lot of time. The match went... For a little over 10 minutes. I think it was 10.34 to be exact. And another match that just disappointed me. I don't remember one great moment from that match. And when you see a world championship match 
disappoint like that, that's a big problem. You know, when you when you have the world title on the line, those matches have to be great because the richest prize is on the line. Those matches have to be memorable. This match was not memorable whatsoever. The only thing I can remember from this match is when the lights went out and we saw the roaches and all the bugs that were in the ring. You know, not really, but like graphically, we saw the bugs and and, and all the, 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 the cockroaches in the ring, which to me, I just didn't get that. It made no sense to me. It was pointless and didn't do anything for me. But that was really the only part of the match that I remember because it was so bizarre. The rest of the match was just not that good. And it's not that Randy and Bray don't have chemistry. It's because, once again, they weren't given enough time. When you have the world title on the line, the match has to go at least over 15 minutes. This match went for 10-plus minutes, and that's it. And didn't go over 11. It was around 10.30, 10.34, and that's a problem. And again, like you said, Ryan, when you book so many matches... On one card, I just look back, they, they had 13 total matches on this show. Pre-show and main show, a lot of the matches are going to have to be cut. Because like you said, Ryan, you also got to throw in the concerts. You got to throw in the Hall of Fame. You got to throw in the entrances, the announcements. It takes a lot of time. And some of the matches, their durations are going to get hurt. And this was one of them, just like the women's match. This duration of the match really hurt the match. Because Bray and Randy, they had one of the better storylines going into WrestleMania. And their match was very disappointed because they were not given enough time to tell a good story. Randy winning was not shocking. People, he won the Royal Rumble. And then he got his... uh, Let me rephrase that. He won the Royal Rumble. He gave up his opportunity. He wanted it back. And he beat AJ Styles to get that opportunity back. There was no way he was going to lose to Bray Wyatt. Even though, yes, it should have been Bray winning the match. He deserves a long title run. It wasn't going to happen. We don't see that often. When guys who win the Royal Rumble lose their title match. It doesn't happen a lot. It's happened sometimes in the past, but not all the time. And we've heard rumors that Vince was going to push Randy. This is the push he's getting. He's getting another title run. His 13th title run in his career. I don't agree with it, but it was not shocking that he won the match. So, again, the duration of this match hurt it. It was not good. I mean, they're going to continue this storyline between Bray and Randy. Uh, They continued it on SmackDown. They're going to have another matchup coming at Backlash, it looks like. Hopefully, they end that feud. But it was another match that disappointed because they weren't given enough time. And, you know, just there there was nothing in that match that was memorable to me. And and that's disappointing because... You have the world title on the line. When you see a match that has the world title on the line, it has to be good because the richest prize is being defended, and it just wasn't that good because of the time and a lack of memory. Yeah, no, definitely. It was definitely uh, underwhelming, to say the least. Uh, not really memorable in any way. And like you said, when the WWE Championship is on the line, you need to make it memorable, and it just wasn't. Um, I was very surprised that Randy Orton won. I know he won the Rumble. I know all that stuff. But it doesn't always necessarily mean that the guy goes on to win the title at WrestleMania. We've seen instances where a guy doesn't, he, where he wins the Royal Rumble and he does not win the title match at Mania. I really didn't think Randy was actually going to, you know, beat Bray. I really thought Randy was going to go to war to put Bray over. 
uh, in any way that he could. I mean, if you see in recent interviews with Randy Orton, he's very high on Bray Wyatt. He loves working with him. He thinks he's just absolutely tremendous, the future, whatever, this and that. So I was really, really shocked to see Randy win the WWE Championship again. I have a huge problem with it as well because Bray Wyatt was just given such a short run for no reason. Why was he even given the title in the first place? Was the only reason they gave him the title was that was that they can give it to Randy Orton right after that? If so, why didn't they just you know have Bray Wyatt win the Royal Rumble, have Randy Orton win at Elimination Chamber or whatever? and have Randy go into Mania as a champion and have him come out as champion, what was the point of even giving Bray a short run? It's like they teased us for no reason. And now what does Bray do? He gets his rematch. I don't think he's going to win the rematch. And what is he going to do then? He's going to go back to the same old Bray Wyatt? Again, man, this just, it's so confusing when it comes up with this guy. I just don't understand how the booking or the creative team thinks when it comes to Bray Wyatt. I really don't. I just do not understand but I'm, I'm curious to see what this guy's future is now because he had a short run with the WWE Championship. Is he ever going to get it back? Who knows? Is he ever ever going to get another run with that belt? Who knows? I mean, it already took him so long just to get the short run. I mean, what does he have to do now to get a second run? Uh, to me, like you said, Brian, very underwhelming. Uh, the bugs in the ring, too, every now and then. Uh, it was just there because he's playing mind games. I, I mean, I, I get that. But it was very, very weird. It was a little too much at times uh, when they kept doing it. But even still, what was the point of doing it if Randy was could have just win anyways? If it didn't even throw him off his game in any bit. So again, to me, very, very underwhelming, like you said. And that should not be the case in a championship match as big as that one on the grandest stage. And then we move on to the other title match, which I'm not even going to give an explanation for because if there was any match that I had no care in the world for, it was Brock and Goldberg. And the match went the way I thought it was going to go. Brock started out hot, threw a couple of suplexes to Goldberg, three of them to be exact. Goldberg comes back, hits three spears on Brock, then a jackhammer. Brock kicks out right then and there. You knew Brock was going to win the belt. He did that. Couple more suplexes. F five matches over is what it is. You know, it, it was just again the only I, I the the reason why I just had no care for this match and the reason why it just pisses me off with these part timers is that the match had the belt on the line so they can create more intrigue to, to stop it. All right, I, I don't care. I don't care what Vince McMahon thinks about money. I don't think a lot of people care for this match. I really don't. You know, there were a lot of fans that just gave two shits about it. A lot of people booed the match. They booed Goldberg. Brock Lesnar had some cheers. But it is what it is. And, and this one fan is like, how can you not like it? I could go, just look. You know, we've seen two part-timers wrestle each other in a five-minute match for the Universal title. I'm sorry. That belt should be on a full-timer. And now the belt's on Brock. He's a part-timer again. And look, he's not going to defend the belt at the next pay-per-view of Payback. That's very shocking because he's a part-timer. That's why I hate this idea that part-timers should get belts. No, they don't. Part-timers in 2017 and for the future should be focusing on putting over the young talent, not taking the spotlight away from these talents, and holding world championships. It was a waste of a match. I did not care anything about that match. I'm, I'm happy this whole freaking feud's over with. Goldberg is going to be gone for the time being. We've heard rumors that that could have been his last match, but I've also heard rumor that that's not his last match. He could be back by next year's WrestleMania. Whoop-de-doo. But again, it was a match that I expected that that was going to go. The way it went, it was expected. 
that you know Brock was going to come out of the gate, red fire, Goldberg would retaliate. Looks like he's going to win the match with the jackhammer. Brock kicks out. Right then and there, you knew Brock was winning the match, and he did with the F5. There's no explanation for it. The match what it is what it was. Now Brock's a champion. That's shocking. And But again, it's just frustrating that we're seeing part-timers wrestle these meaningless matches with the belt on the line. This match had no meaning. And like I said, even with Brock beating Goldberg, Goldberg still is up over Brock Lesnar in terms of wins. Goldberg still has two wins over Brock Lesnar. Now, yes, Brock won the belt over Goldberg, but still, in the very end, when we look at the big picture, Goldberg still is over Brock Lesnar. It's a stupid match. It served no purpose for me. Brock's a champion. Congratulations, I guess. Hopefully lose the belt on your first defense because I don't want to see part-timers holding the belt anymore. It's stupid. It should not happen. That's not what their job should be. Part-timers' job when they make appearances is to put the future over, not take opportunities and spots away from these hardworking full-timers and them carrying championships. It's stupid. This match served no purpose for me, and I just didn't give a crap about it. Yeah, no. I mean, of course, I didn't care about it either. But you know what? I actually can't really complain too much about this, to be honest. I mean, we knew we were getting this match. So, again, we knew what we were getting at WrestleMania. But it was different than the Survivor Series match. It was different than, uh, you know, Goldberg's match with Kevin Owens, obviously. It was different than their WrestleMania 20 match. It was actually a lot better. It was probably the best Goldberg-Brock match that I've ever seen. I mean, that's not saying much, obviously, but it was still a short match, but it wasn't as short as we've seen in the past. It wasn't just two moves, and that's it. I mean, there was some physicality on the outside. Uh, They got back in there. You thought Goldberg was going to win. He spears him. Brock kicks out. I mean, it was actually not that bad. And, of course, no surprise, Brock Lesnar walks out with the the championship. Again, not thrilled about it because, like you said, Brian, now he's not going to defend it on any of these pay-per-views. How long is he going to hold this belt now? Who's going to beat him? Uh, Again, who knows what the end game here is. Uh, but they backed themselves into this wall. They knew that they had to give this belt to either Brock or Goldberg, and obviously it wasn't going to be Goldberg because he's going to be leaving, so it had to be Brock. And now the question is, who takes it off of Brock? And when does he defend it? I think that's the big question, then, who takes it off of him? When does he defend it? Because he, he's already not booked on the next Raw pay-per-view. So, I mean, what, what are you going to wait until SummerSlam, for God's sake? It's, it's ridiculous. It literally, there is no excuse Brock has literally gotten a part-time schedule for the past four years. So when he is the champion, he should fill out all his obligations of being there every single week, every single pay-per-view, to build the story with a guy who could potentially take this belt off of him. Instead, he takes the belt home to wherever the hell he lives in his farmland in the middle of nowhere, and he probably sits there and he looks at it, while the other guys on the Raw roster are busting their ass week after week after week. And then when Brock's ready to come back... He will come back and defend it, and who knows if he's going to drop it, or who knows what's going to happen. Again, that is my problem with it, but as far as the match at WrestleMania, we knew what we were getting. It actually was not that bad. It was the best match I've seen out of both of those two. They got their redemption from their uh, you know earlier WrestleMania debacle. Uh, you know, Again, they redeemed themselves in a nice way, but again, that's still not saying much. But now the big question is, what happens with Brock here? Yeah, well, that's a big question. But again, you know, I'm just not a fan of these part-timers holding these belts when it should be full-timers. It was a waste of a match to me. It was good for what it was. But again, that's not saying anything 
and I just was not in favor of it and still not in favor of Brock holding that belt. He, that belt should be on a current full-timer. Uh, two more matches to go. I'm going to make this short and sweet here with uh, the women's uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Naomi made a return, of course, uh, the week, the, the, the go-home show for SmackDown. She put herself in the match. She won the match. Not shocking. People thought Bliss was going to retain. Look, I mean... Naomi never lost that belt in the first place. She, she had to give it up because of injury. She was going to get that belt back. It was a solid match, but again, another short match. Because, you know, they had so many matches booked that you had to shorten some of the matches. And this was another one of those matches that was shortened. It was solid, but um, no shocker to me that Naomi won. Uh, I, I thought it was a good chance that Bliss was going to going to retain. I picked Bliss to win the match, but when we made those picks. Naomi wasn't officially back from injury she made a return uh the go home show for smackdown she put herself in the match and you just kind of knew that when when she came back that there was a good chance she was going to retain that she was going to get the belt back and she did solid match congratulations naomi once again the women's champion yeah uh again this is no shock i mean she made her triumphant return to smackdown added herself into the match it's her hometown of orlando i knew alexa bliss was gonna lose this belt i thought it was gonna be becky lynch or mickey james but it just makes sense to give it back to naomi she should have never lost in the first place uh she deserves it she deserves a run with it we'll see where she goes so yeah to me i had no problem with it the match itself wasn't anything that special but it was pretty short, just like the other ones. But uh, Naomi winning, not surprising, and not disappointed by it either. No, nah, it's not disappointing. So we'll get into the main event now, and we have to talk a lot about this. Undertaker vs. Roman Reigns, it was announced during WrestleMania week that they were going to be main eventing the show for a couple of reasons. I understood why Vince did it, because the original main event was supposed to be Brock and Goldberg. Again, Vince feared what we were going to do. That we were going to leave the, the, the venue, we were going to leave the building because no one cared about Brock and Goldberg. So Vince made the smart move to make an Undertaker vs. Roman the main event because people were interested in that match. The match went on for over 20 minutes. It was a good solid match for what it was. And no surprise whatsoever that Roman Reigns won the match beating Undertaker. Um, let me... And there was a lot of backlash. There, were, As expected, there was a lot of backlash. A lot of people were furious that Roman Reigns won this match. But let's cut right into the to this, people. Let's cut into the bullshit, all right? You may hate Roman Reigns all you want, all right? And I'm not the biggest Roman Reigns supporter you'll ever meet, all right? I'm not one of those guys that has always been a fan of Roman Reigns, all right? I'm not a big supporter of this guy. And it's not because of him. It's because of the way he's being booked, and that's the biggest reason why people don't like Roman Reigns is the way because he's being booked. Not just because Roman Reigns is a bad talent. He's not a bad talent. He's a good wrestler. Yeah, could he be better in some certain things? Absolutely he can. But he's a good worker. He's always put together some good matches. The reason why people hate this guy is because of the way he's being booked. But let's face reality, people. This guy, whether you like it or not, is going to be the face of this company. Now, I don't agree with it. I think there's other guys out there that deserve that opportunity more than Roman Reigns. But guess what, people? Vince doesn't give a shit what you think. That's a fact. Not my opinion. That's a fact. If Vince gave a shit, then he wouldn't be pushing Roman Reigns. He would be pushing a guy that us fans respect more and appreciate more. If Vince sees something in Roman Reigns and he thinks he's going to be the face of this company in the future... He's going to push this guy to the moon, whether we like it or not. And for him to grab that spot, 
of being the guy in WWE, he's going to have to go over some pretty big names like The Undertaker. And yes, it was sad to see Taker lose the match. It was the second loss of his WrestleMania career. And after the match was over, basically Taker had to send off. He didn't talk verbally, but he took off his hat, took off his uh, leather jacket, put him in the ring. And that's probably the end of The Undertaker. Uh, sad to see, of course, as we were coming to the end of Taker's career. But back to Roman Reigns. The guy is going to be the face of this company. Like I said before, I don't agree with it. It should be Seth Rollins. It should be Kevin Owens. It should be one of those young up-and-coming talents that actually have more experience and are better all-around talents than Roman Reigns. But again, Vince doesn't give a shit what you think. And if he views Roman Reigns as the face of this company, he's going to push him. And we're going to have to accept it because our opinion is not going to change what Vince believes in. Vince is not going to listen to a fan ripping him apart saying, oh, Roman Reigns sucks, don't push this guy. Vince is not going to believe him. Vince is going to be like, no, I like Roman Reigns. He's my guy. He's going to get pushed. Like I said, I don't agree with it, but that's the reality, people. Whether you like it or not, you can hate Roman Reigns all you want. Boo this guy all you want. It doesn't change the fact that Roman Reigns is going to be main eventing WrestleManias and that he's going to be the top guy in this company. Again, I don't agree with it, but that's the reality, people. And, you know, people booing Roman Reigns, look, I get why you're booing, but I'm going to defend Roman. You know, this is it's not Roman's fault. This is not Roman's fault. If you want to boo at somebody, boo at Vince. Boo at the creative team. The way they book Roman Reigns. I agree. The way they book this guy is terrible. He should be booked a lot better than what he's being booked for. The way they handle his character has not been good. But guess what, people? Again, Vince doesn't give a shit. He's going to push Roman Reigns the way he visions Roman Reigns is. Because we all say he should be a heel. If Vince believes he's a good guy, he's going to push Roman Reigns as a good guy. I don't agree with it, but that's the reality. It was a sad moment to see Taker lose. It's sad to see Taker that he's on his way out, and we wish the best for Taker. Thank you, Undertaker, for so many great years, so many great memories in WWE. There's nobody greater than you. But the big picture, people, is that Roman Reigns, whether you like it or not, is going to be the face of this company. Yeah, I mean, basically that's the reality of it. He is the guy, and whether you like it or not, like you said, Brian, there's nothing we could do about it. I mean, how could you not just accept it by now? Uh, I mean, really. I mean, it was the same thing with John Cena. And look, I think everybody accepts Cena now. I think Cena put on great matches with, with everybody. He's delivered in everything, every single way. And I think nowadays people want to see Cena. Yeah, it, it's it's the typical thing to boo Cena and, and sing Cena sucks along with his theme song whenever he comes out. But I think a lot more people respect John Cena now. I sure as hell do. So what's the difference between him and Roman Reigns? There is no difference, really, if you think about it. I mean, both of them were not indie guys. They One came from the NFL. One just came in. I don't even know where John Cena came in from, but he just did. And, again, not your average Kevin Owens, AJ Styles type of wrestler. But, again, is a good worker and delivers when it's needed in big spots. And that's exactly what Roman Reigns does. And, again, who knows how good this Undertaker-Reigns match would have been if it was any other opponent for Taker. I mean, literally, Taker looked good in the beginning of this match, 
But as the match went on, you could tell this guy got gassed quickly. I mean, this is why The Undertaker had to retire. It's because he can't go anymore. The guy is like 56 years old, for crying out loud. Again, they needed Roman Reigns to carry The Undertaker, and I think he did a very nice job. I didn't think this match was terrible at all. I mean, yeah, a little slow at times because when Undertaker gets, you know, he gets knocked down, he takes forever to get up. He takes a million years to get up. Again, that's his age. That's his body. It's breaking down on him. Again, that's why this match was a little slow at some points. It did drag a little bit, but I thought it was pretty good overall. And again, it wasn't one spear from Roman Reigns that put Undertaker down. It was it was the third spear. And I love how Roman tried uh, getting momentum off the ropes. He went, he bounced off one rope, then the other one, and the Undertaker was just all sorts of confused. He he looked like he just didn't even know what was about to hit him. And then Reigns with the vicious spear, and then that finally put him down. I thought every, I thought it was perfect. I literally did. I thought it was absolutely perfect. And again, people were upset. They were mad because it was Reigns as, as Undertaker's last opponent, and not John Cena. I get it, but you know what? John Cena is not the future of the WWE nowadays. He's not. Roman Reigns is the future of this company. So it just makes sense that it was him and not John Cena. And again, I heard somebody next to me at WrestleMania say, Oh, I hate Roman Reigns because he retired The Undertaker. Let's be real, people. Roman Reigns was just the last opponent for The Undertaker. He did not retire The Undertaker. The Undertaker should have been retired years ago. This guy's body has been breaking down on him for years. It's been brutal to watch an Undertaker match for the past couple of WrestleManias. I mean, my God, the guy has just gotten worse and worse. And again, it's just, it's not his fault. That's what happens when you get older with age. Roman Reigns did not do anything to retire The Undertaker. He was just the last opponent. Again, people just are absolutely ridiculous nowadays. Um, but again, it was a great moment after Roman Reigns you know, stood on the ramp, the fireworks went off, and once he went to the back and The Undertaker put his coat back on, put his hat back on, just to take it off again and put it in the middle of the ring and leave it in there, then walk out. I mean, it was... And then the way he just kind of disappeared by, you know, getting uh, lowering down on, on the ramp, and then the lights went black. I mean, what a bone-chilling moment. It was unbelievable to be there live for, and I'm happy that I got to see, and you got to see, Brian, The Undertaker's last match and his retirement, because that solidified this WrestleMania as one of the most memorable ones we have seen in quite some time. So I thought everything worked out perfectly. I know everybody was upset, but again, it's for good reasons that The Undertaker hangs it up, he calls it quits, for his own sake, because the guy physically can't do it anymore. So like you said, thank you, Taker. The memories will live on, but this was the right time to call it a career. And look, and here's another reason why I can't stand these Roman Reigns haters. Because look, we mentioned it before about part-timers and full-timers and that no part-timer should ever go over a full-timer. A lot of fans are against part-timers going over full-timers, which is 100% true. In this day and age in 2017, a guy like Triple H should not be going over a guy like Seth Rollins. And he didn't do that. Triple H said, nope, my days are done. I'm putting over the future. And that's what every part-timer should do. And fans are on side of that. The fans want to see full-timers go over part-timers. But when it comes to Taker and Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, who's a full-timer, beats Undertaker, who's a part-timer. You have a problem with that? You're being hypocritical, people. That's all 
That's all that matters. You, like I said before, any of you people out there that is against part-timers going over full-timers, but at the same time has a huge problem with Undertaker, who's a part-timer, losing to a full-timer in Roman Reigns. If you have a huge problem with that, then you're being hypocritical of what you're saying. I'm sorry. You can let Taker all you want. The guy's a part-timer. He's not going to be with this company forever. His days are done. He knows that he has to put over the future. And again, you may despise Roman Reigns. Despise the man all you want. Guess what? He's going to be the future face of this company if he's not already right now. You can make a case he is the face of the company. Even though, yes, John Cena is still there, Roman Reigns is the face of the company. So Taker's doing his job in putting over the face of the company. Again, you may love Undertaker. Undertaker's one of my all-time favorites. It was sad to see him lose, and it's sad to see him go. But again, for the benefit of this company's future, it's time for Taker to go. He's been part of this company for 27 years. He's done everything he's possibly could do. He's had this undefeated streak of WrestleMania before it was broken by Brock Lesnar. The guy has wrestled them all. He's beaten some of the greatest of all time. It's t- it's time for Taker to hang him up. And in that match, because people, st- there are people out there that are still convinced that's not, that's not his last match. When you see this guy basically leave his hat and coat in the ring, that's it. He's done. You can clearly tell that he doesn't have it anymore, all right? He's getting hip surgery. The guy's body is breaking down every year. Every year, there's something else wrong with this guy's body. He's not 100% healthy all the time. He's going to have some issues in terms of health. And like you say, Ryan, that's what happens when you get older. Your bones start to break down. And this guy can't do it anymore. He has nothing left to prove. So like you said, Ryan, I'm happy as well that I was a part of the experience being able to be in the crowd watching Taker's last match. And like I said before, people, if you have a problem with Roman Reigns going over Taker, you're being hypocritical of what you're saying. Because like I said, there's a lot of people out there that are against part-timers going over full-timers, which that should not be the case. Part-timers should not go over full-timers. It should be the opposite. But when you see people bitching and moaning that Roman Reigns went over Taker, that's that's hypocrisy. You're being hypocritical of what you're saying. So stop with the bullshit. Like I said a number of times in, right now in the show, whether you like him, whether you hate him, it doesn't matter what you think. Roman Reigns, in the very end, is going to be the face of this company. Keep bitching, keep moaning all you want. Keep going on social media saying that I hate Roman Reigns. I hate this guy. He sucks. It doesn't matter what you think. Vince McMahon doesn't give a flying fuck what you think. He's going to push Roman Reigns as the guy, whether you like it or not. And in this match, Undertaker, a part-timer, is doing his job and putting over Roman Reigns, the full-timer. That was the right move. I'm sorry. You hate the decision. That's that's your problem, right? It was the right decision. Not my opinion. It's a fact. It was the right decision. Because Taker's days are done. He's no longer going to be part of this company in ring-wise. He'll be a Hall of Famer one day. That's that's a guarantee. He's a Hall of Famer. He may, he may make some appearances. But he's not going to wrestle anymore. 
and he knows that he has to put over the next guy of the company, and it's Roman Reigns. Hate him all you want, but that's the truth. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's the reality of it. Like you said, I mean, if people get mad because, again, you know, part-timers are coming in here. But then again, you have somebody who is a full-timer, and he's beating a part-timer. So what's wrong with that? It's basically, like you said, Brian, it's hypocritical. And people are just so set on hating on Roman Reigns that they just cannot come to grips with the fact that this guy is the future and this guy is the top star and this guy is going to win these big matches. I mean, give me a break. Like you said, I mean, we're not the biggest Roman Reigns fans in the world. We're not like most people or the, or the kids who, who support him or whatever. But we're realistic when it comes to things like this. It's how could you be mad when something like this happens? I mean, come on. This was the right move. It was all part of a great moment to set up The Undertaker's retirement. It was the perfect way to close out the show. And right when this match came on as the main event, you should have known that, that this you know, on, this was going to happen with The Undertaker retiring. Because there's no other way, especially with Jim Ross calling this too on commentary, which I still have to go back and rewatch too. Because apparently Jim Ross did an excellent job on commentary. I mean, not shocked about that. Also signed a two-year deal with the company, which is great news as well. But this was just so special for so many different reasons. But people overlooked it because of their hatred for Roman Reigns. And it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So people just have to come to the grip that this guy is going to be the face of this company. If you don't accept it, then that's your problem. So there you go for WrestleMania. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver Orlando, which happened the night before. Another great, great TakeOver show. Uh, Great for me personally because I got the chance to sit... Uh, fourth row near the ring. If you happen to watch the show from the network, you might have seen me on TV a couple of times. You definitely saw me on TV at the end of the show when Shinsuke Nakamura was saying his goodbyes to the fans and he was going to the fans by the barricade. I was there up and close. I got the chance to touch Shinsuke Nakamura. That was a cool moment. But the show itself was very good. I mean, right out of the gate, we had the uh, the eight-person tag match between Sanity and Ty Dillinger's team. It was supposed to be uh, Dillinger, Roger Strong, Ruby Riot, and Noe Jose, but... Earlier that day at WrestleMania Access, Noe Jose was attacked by Sanity, and he was unable to compete in the match, so they needed to find a new partner. Nobody perfect for that spot than Cassius Ono. That was a cool moment to see Ono on the card in the match. Good, solid match. Sanity winning, not shocking. I know there were some people that were upset that Dillinger lost another match, but again, people, Sanity is a faction, and they need to be pushed. You know, Triple H has big plans for this group. They can't lose matches like this. It was a great, solid match. All the competitors in this match look very, very strong. Roderick Strong would look look great. Ono looked very good. Dillinger looked like Ty Dillinger. All members of Sanity looked very good. Good way to kick off the show. In terms of the decision, it was right to give the win to Sanity. Yeah, I agree. Awesome match to kick off the show. Sanity was the right team to come out victorious. And I love the fact that they got Cassius Ono on the card. As soon as they, I saw that they were taking out No Way Jose, I said, he's got to be the guy. And when that music hit, I was very, very happy that it was him. He deserves to be on that card. It was the perfect spot for him. Uh, again, just a very good six-man, or not even uh, whatever it was. Uh, to kick off the show. I thought it was very, very good. I was very impressed with Ruby Riot too as well. Uh, I thought everything was perfect. And like you said, the, the right team won. In this case, Sanity deserved the win. Second match of the evening, Andrade Almas took on the debuting Alistair Black. Um, first, first and foremost, 
Ailers to Black's theme song is freaking incredible. I mean, uh, it's right now on YouTube. Um, it, it's a mix of heavy metal, rock and roll stuff, uh, mostly heavy metal. His entrance was very cool. He started out sitting on a table. The table rose like he was walking up like Dracula. Uh, pretty sick stuff, man. The people dig this guy. Uh, for the match itself, it was very solid. Uh, nothing really stood out, but he looked very good. Almost continues to shine under this heel gimmick. Hopefully, down the road, uh, Triple H, NXT, finds something for Almas because ever since turning heel, man, Almas just continues to put in great work as a character. His in-ring matches have gotten a lot better. And a good, solid showing for Ailish to Black. Again, you know, when you see debuting talents, it's going to take them a while before they really find their comfort zone in NXT. Black looked good. He didn't look great. He looked good. But the more Black wrestles in NXT and the more comfortable he gets, the better we'll see this guy perform. But you can clearly tell that NXT has big plans for this guy. That's great to see because Ailish to Black or Tommy Ann, whatever you want to call this guy, He's a tremendous talent. He deserves this opportunity. And I thought he looked very, very good in this match. So, Black gets the win. Solid performance from him. And the theme song, people. This may be my new favorite theme song. And that's something that WWE does very, very, very well with their talent. They have the best theme music for all these talents. And Alias to Black is no different. Yeah, very, very solid debut. Very cool entrance. Very good music. Uh, to me, it could have been a little bit more of a, an exciting match. His finisher could have been a little bit more exciting. You know, I know that's usually his finisher, but you know, I, again, usually when you come into WWE, you get a new finisher, and it should be something that really, you know, shows off, you know, and and really makes people go, "Wow, holy shit, that was sick." To me, it it just doesn't do it for me what he currently has. Uh, the match kind of ended very abruptly, in my opinion. And uh, for some parts of the match, a lot of people in the crowd, I feel like, were just not interested. So overall, it was a solid debut. Like you said, if he gets his feet wet a little bit more, I think more people will be into him. Uh, but but for right now, it was solid. Uh, I, I do think he could have made a little bit better of an impression. But I know what he's capable of, so I really wasn't like... Uh, confused when he came out. I knew exactly who this guy was. But for some people who have never seen him before, they probably felt a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, but I, I feel like, like I said, give him some time and uh, I'm sure he'll be a fan in no time. Third match of the evening was the Triple Threat Tag Team Elimination Match. Revival, DIY, Authors of Pain. Hands down, best match of the night. And might have been the best match of the weekend. And From all the matches I watched that weekend, and I watched a lot of matches from a lot of wrestling shows, that was my favorite match. And I just don't know what it is, but the chemistry between those three tag teams, specifically the Revival and DIY, is off the charts. I mean, these teams just know how to work together. I mean, there were so many good moments in this match. I loved that the Revival and DIY teamed together for most of the match to try to put away the Authors of Pain. And at one point in the match, I was convinced that the Authors of Pain were going to lose this match. When they had, I think it was Occam. And a double submission. You know, Gargano had the Gargano escape. And I think Dash had a submission hold on Occam as well on the other side of his body. I was convinced that all of the pain was losing this match. But it was a good story because it shows you how tough it is to beat these two guys. You can put them in a double submission. You can put these guys through so much punishment. But they will still continue to roll. And that was a great story to tell in this match. Man, It was a good match overall. 
Office of Pain retaining, no surprise there. They deserve a long run. The Revival no longer will be involved in NXT. Neither will DIY very shortly. And to me, if there was any match that stood out this entire weekend, it was definitely that matchup. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, these three teams seem like they know each other, like, like they know their phone numbers, for God's sake. I mean, they, they, they know each other so damn well that they they just have amazing chemistry when they're in there. Uh, they always put on a great match. Uh, DIY, Revival, obviously, teaming up together, trying to take out the Authors of Pain. I thought that was very good. Again, the whole entire match told a great story. And at one point, you know, the match was going on for so long, I forgot it was an elimination match. And then, you know, of course, DIY gets eliminated, and you got the Revival and the Authors of Pain. Like you said, Brian, there was one point in that match where I thought the Authors of Pain were actually going to lose the tag team titles. That's how good that match is, and that's how much that they convinced me that, you know, that there was a chance they could lose. So, uh, like you said, this match really stands out to me. In terms of the WWE matches over the weekend, uh, this definitely stands out to me. And I don't know about the indie shows because there was some pretty damn good matches on there. Uh, but this one definitely stands out to me in terms of WWE on uh, possibly stealing the weekend because this was a top-notch match. Uh, again, no no shocker that the Authors of Pain did retain the belts in the end. I feel like after DIY got eliminated, it kind of went a little downhill from there. Uh, kind of got a little slow because that's just when the Authors of Pain, you know, started to dominate the match. Uh, but when the, all three teams were involved and when they were in there, man, this was a very, very good tag team match, like you said. Uh, so definitely one of the best matches on this card, no doubt. And then we move over to the women's match between Ember Moon and Asuka. Um, another very good match. I thought it could have been a little bit better, but it was good for what it was. Oscar retaining was not that shocking. I still thought going into the match that Ember Moon was going to walk out the winner. But I came to the realization that Asuka is on this incredible undefeated streak that they needed to continue with this. And like you said before, Ryan, earlier in the show, even though Asuka won this match, you still have to think that Ember Moon is going to find a way to get this belt. Whether it's beating Asuka or Asuka just giving the belt away so she can go on the main roster. Because that's what I've been hearing a lot is that Asuka could just drop the belt not even losing the belt and just focus on the main roster. I'm not fully convinced that that's going to happen, but it could happen. It's happened before. Uh, but um, the finish overall to me was just not that great. I mean, and it's happened now with two straight shows that Asuka won the match without using her finisher, the Asuka lock. I mean, at, at TakeOver San Antonio in that Fatal 4-Way match, she won the match with a, with a kick to the head. Uh, same thing in this match. I mean, she did cheat a little bit. She, uh, I think she hit the referee or did something else to Ember Moon that was a little bit of a screwy, screwy finish. And she won the match with her trademark, uh, kick to the head. And that was it. That was an unexpected finish because, you know, usually when you see Asuka win a match, it's usually with her Asuka lock. And she has not used that finisher for the past couple of months and specifically the past <coughs> takeovers. And that's something that I don't agree with. It's been her finisher for a long time. Asuka should win her matches with her Asuka lock, not with a simple kick to the head. So the match deserved a better finish. But overall, Ember Moon and Asuka looked very, very good. The story is very, very good. Ember Moon looked at her best in this match. Asuka looked like Asuka. And we're definitely going to see more from these two girls in the future. This feud is not over with whatsoever. I'm expecting to see a rematch at the next TakeOver, which will take place in May during Backlash Weekend. We could see a rematch at that time. But overall, for this match on Saturday, very good match. Only problem was the finish deserved to be a little bit better. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought the match itself was very good. It was very close to both these girls in there facing each other. I've been waiting for this match for a very long time. 
Um, but yeah, the screwy finish was a little weird. She hasn't used the Oscar lock in quite some time, actually. Uh, going all the way back to, I think it was uh, Takeover Brooklyn last summer. Uh, she, from what I remember, she kicked Bailey in the head to retain the belt. And uh, like you said, she did it in the Fatal Four Way match. And I'm not really sure if she did it to Mickey James. I can't really remember. But yeah, she hasn't really used the Oscar lock in quite some time. She, it's just been that kick to the head that that you know finishes off opponents for her. So, I mean, I don't really have a big problem with it because Asuka is lethal with her kicks. So, I mean, it could be a good finisher. And it, she's been putting away opponents with that lately. So, uh, to me, I, I like that better than Ember Moon tapping anyways. Um, but again, you know, the heelish, you know, Asuka where she hit the referee. Uh, and, and then, you know, I forgot kind of what happened. I think Ember Ember Moon fell off the, the top rope or whatever uh, and then was just laying there. And then Asuka just hit the kick and that was it. Uh, like you said, we both predicted that Ember Moon is going to walk out with this belt, but then we came to the realization that if they're not ready to, you know, take this belt off of Asuka, Asuka's not ready to go up to the main roster just yet. I think this feud continues, it goes into the next TakeOver. I think this could even go into TakeOver Brooklyn in August. I think this is how far that's going to go, and then maybe Ember Moon wins it there. you got to think she wins it at some point, but right now is definitely not the time, so I'm not upset that Asuka retained, but like you said, the finish could have been done a little bit better than it did. And in the main event, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Bobby Roode. Uh, again, uh, I, I didn't think it was better than the first match, but it was very solid. I thought both guys looked pretty good in the match. Again, they played the injury angle with Roode going after the injury ankle or injury leg, knee, whatever body part Nakamura injured at TakeOver San Antonio. But good, solid match. Uh, the energy was a little bit electric in this match. Of course, the entrances were, again, tremendous from both Shinsuke and Bobby Roode. But again, no surprise that Bobby Roode retained the belt. We all know he's going to be the face of NXT for the time being. And it was time for Nakamura to say his goodbyes. Very sad to see because Nakamura did so many good things for NXT. Uh, like I said before, I got the opportunity to, to go to be up close to this moment. Got the chance to hug and uh, thank Shinsuke Nakamura as he was saying his goodbyes to the fans at the barricade. So, uh, again, you know, good solid match. Really nothing else to say, but uh, Bobby Roode will now move on to a different challenger. Nakamura officially on the main roster, and we'll see who will be next in line to capture Bobby Roode's belt. Maybe Drew McIntyre, who, forgot to mention, appeared at NXT. He was in the crowd, and he later on announced that he signed a three-year deal. Uh, with WWE, that's awesome. McIntyre has really, really helped himself uh, for the past couple of years in the independence scene. He's made a, big, made a big name for himself all over the world. He deserves a second chance. He'll get that second chance in NXT. And he's going for the NXT title, so maybe we'll see him as the first challenger for Bobby Roode's belt. Maybe not him, maybe somebody else. We'll see what happens with that. But Roode retained the belt, no shocker there. And we saw the final NXT match for, Sh for Shinsuke Nakamura. Sad moment, but again... Nakamura's ready for the main roster. He's done with NXT. He has to go on a different path. Main roster it is, and we wish Shinsuke the best as he moves ahead from NXT. Yeah, uh, like you said, nothing really to point out here. It's pretty obvious that Bobby Roode was holding on to this belt. Uh, I don't think the match was better than the first match between these two at San Antonio. Uh, but then, you know, hey, it was just that. It was, it was a solid match. Bobby Roode won clean. Uh, Shinsuke had his little send-off at the end, and that was how TakeOver Orlando ended. I mean, uh, no surprise. I mean, that's exactly how I predicted it would end, and I think everybody as well. So, overall, I thought the show was pretty good. Again, no complaints. Another good TakeOver. 
Uh, like you said, Shinsuke goes his separate way now. Bobby Roode gets another challenger. And we'll see, you know, a little change in NXT as uh, some of these stars going up to the main roster now. And we're getting in some new stars here, uh, like such as Drew McIntyre, like you just mentioned, who has signed a two- or three-year deal with WWE and will be reporting to NXT. you got to think he is going to be in line for a title match somewhere down the line. So that's cool to see. But overall, a good, solid takeover. Another great, uh, you know, takeover special from WWE. Yeah, so we then move ahead to the, the two big shows that took place this weekend. Uh, excuse me, this uh, week, uh, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, these are two huge shows every year. The Raw of the Mania is one of the biggest Raws of the year, maybe the biggest. SmackDown uh, experiencing its first show at the WrestleMania live. Uh, both shows I thought were very, very good. I'm not going to get into full detail. The big stuff that happened on the show, though, we had a couple of returns and debuts. In terms of the returns, Emma and Finn Balor both returned from injuries. Uh, Emma finally making a return after, what, 20 weeks of hype. It was supposed to be Emmalina. She changed herself back to the evil Emma. That's good to see. She's a very, very talented individual. She's going to help out the women's division greatly. So good to see Emma back. Finn Balor coming back. No surprise there. It was either going to be he was either going to return to Mania or Raw. He wanted to return to Raw. Team with Seth Rollins to take on Owens and Samoa Joe. Good match that was. Finn Balor back from injury. That's good to see because we all know how good Finn is. He's going to be a big part of the WWE main roster for the future. And then we saw the debut of The Revival. Uh, long overdue. We've been waiting for this moment for a long time now. For The Revival to make their debuts. And what an impact they made. They came out, challenged New Day, won the match with the Shatter Machine, and then took out Kofi Kingston's leg. That's a statement. And they also got a big pop. The fans were pumped up to see them on the main roster. Because, look, you can make a case right now that from NXT to the main roster, in the WWE period, The Revival may be the best tag team that WWE has. Over teams like the New Day, Gallus and Anderson, the Hardy Boys, uh, American Alpha, the Usos, the Revival, you can make a strong case, is the best tag team that WWE has, and they're going to have a big future ahead of them. People are concerned that they could they could turn out to be another Ascension. I don't see that. They have more charisma than the Ascension. They have better characters. They have better chemistry in the ring. They have a better finisher. The fans like these guys a lot more than the Ascension. So I have no worries about their push in the future. Good, solid impact, and overall, a pretty good Raw. Kurt Angle as well, need a new Raw GM. No shocker there. Overall, though, the Raw of the Mania, once again, was another success. Yeah, I mean, this show, obviously, the best Raw out of the year. I mean, uh, no secret, WWE even made a documentary on the network about it. It's that big. Uh, like you said, the Revival debuts, great for them, long overdue. It's about freaking time. Uh, Kurt Angle, the new GM of Raw, which we kind of expected to happen to with Mick Foley leaving. That's freaking awesome. Uh, Finn Balor coming back, which is which is great. As soon as Chris Jericho went out and you knew he wasn't going to be able to compete, you had to know Finn Balor was going to take take his spot. So it's great to see Finn back, wondering what he's going to do. Uh, obviously, can't get his Universal Title back at the moment, but uh, hopefully becomes you know uh, involved in a major storyline and gets a big feud, a big time match. Uh, looking forward to it. Glad to see him back. Like you said, Emma returned as well. Nothing really to really report about there. She barely did anything. Her being back, her presence isn't going to do a damn thing to the women's division. She's not going to win the women's belt. She's not going to do anything. I don't think anybody cares about Emma anymore. I'm over her. 
I think everybody else is as well. Again, so much hype for what? She is nothing all that special anyways. It's just enough is enough. Nobody cares. But those are a couple debuts there. Uh, Roman Reigns got tremendous heat. I mean, oh my God. In the beginning of Raw, the guy couldn't speak for the first 10 minutes of the show. Nobody was going to let him talk. And I, I think there had to be more to that promo. Uh, but there is no way the crowd was going to let him talk. There was no way. And I don't think... WWE really, I don't understand why they thought that they could send him out there in the opening segment of Raw with the crowd that hot like that and expect Reigns to give a promo on retiring The Undertaker and not have what happened. I mean, really, I don't think he was supposed to go out there and play to the crowd for 10 minutes and not say a damn word and stand there and smile like he did. No, nah, I don't think that was how, how it was supposed to go down at all. But he had no choice but to say a couple of words where I think he said, like, this is my yard now when he got the chance to and dropped the mic and left because nobody was letting him talk. I mean, I don't know how it sounded on TV. I don't know if they edited it. Again, it's a live show, so I don't know how they would be able to. But there was fuck you, Roman chance. There was all this stuff. I mean, it was so freaking loud. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. So, I'm once again, the Raw After Mania proved to be the best Raw of the year, without a doubt. Yeah, in terms of that Roman segment, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. You know, he gets through all these chants. People are chanting, you screw your Roman, F you Roman, you suck, blah, blah, blah. And then Roman just says five words and leaves the ring. I thought that was perfect. I mean, if there was any point in time to turn Roman Reigns heel, it was that moment. But like I said before, I just don't, I'm just, I don't see it. I don't. I, I won't believe it until I see it from my eyes. That take that Roman's gonna turn heel. He acted like a heel in that segment. He was the heel in the Taker match. But again, you know they just switch his character every single week. One week he's a heel, next week he's a good guy. We don't know what character he really is. And I think if Vince wants to turn him heel, that was the right moment. But I just read before that Vince was furious of how the fans treated Roman Reigns. And this is all I have to say, Vince. That's what happens when you shove Roman Reigns down our throats and you make him the top guy of your company when there are fans out there that don't want him to be the top guy in the company. That's what happens. They don't want to accept this guy as the face of the company. They're going to have to eventually, but the fans are backlashing this idea that Roman is the face of the company. So Vince should understand that. I know he doesn't give a shit, but that's the reality. But again, Raw was very good. SmackDown, I thought, was pretty good as well. wasn't better than Raw. But we had some great moments in that show as well. Ty Dillinger made his debut. Tremendous, tremendous moment. The perfect 10 gimmick. He debuted to beat Kurt Hawkins. Good way to start Ty Dillinger's run on SmackDown. But the biggest moment of all, without question, Shinsuke Nakamura debuting. That was awesome. I, I mean, a lot of people thought that he was going to interrupt AJ Styles. And there were some people that were upset that that did not happen. Here's my take on that. If AJ is going to stay on SmackDown... Then absolutely, if there was any guy that Shinsuke should have interrupted, it was AJ Styles. But we all know that AJ is going to Raw and Shinsuke is going to be on SmackDown. So why would you waste a Shinsuke-AJ promo segment in one night when there's not going to be a story with both guys being on different shows? When both guys are going to be on the same show, then you can roll that storyline. But with both guys on separate shows, there's no reason to have their segment, to have their encounter for one night. It wouldn't be worth it. You want to have this – if you want to really want a Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles battle, have it be with a story, not for a one night.
but the moment overall was great. Miz is back in the ring. He's uh, impersonating Cena again with, with Maurice. They're about to leave the ring, and then you see the violinist. And when you saw that guy, you instantly knew it was Shinsuke Nakamura. He plays the violin. Lights go out. Shinsuke's theme song plays. Place erupts so loud. What a moment. Shinsuke comes out. He had a dark match with Dolph Ziggler. But you can clearly see that Nakamura's first feud is going to be with The Miz. And I got to say, that is a perfect first opponent for Shinsuke Nakamura. You want to bring this guy in. You need to give him a big opponent to start. Not the biggest opponent, but a pretty pretty good opponent anyways in The Miz. That's perfect for Shinsuke Nakamura. Miz could definitely help this guy out in terms of promos, in terms of getting connections with the fans. But this guy's already over. I mean, you can make a case that Shinsuke is maybe the most over star that WWE has other than Ty Dillinger. Two great moments, Dillinger and Nakamura debut, and that's great to see because we've heard the rumors that Shinsuke could be going to Raw. I disagree with it. He should be on SmackDown. Vince made up his mind. It's SmackDown. Nakamura will be good for them. You know, SmackDown's a new, fresh show. Nakamura is a great talent. He won't benefit on Raw the way he would on SmackDown. Same thing for Ty Dillinger. Both these guys would get an opportunity on SmackDown. On Raw... I think they'll be like Sami Zayn, Cesaro. They will be wasted. They won't get a push. On SmackDown, Dillinger and Nakamura will have directions. They'll be good for them. So two great moments right there. Shinsuke, Dillinger, both on SmackDown. And that was the highlight and the headline for SmackDown. Yeah, I thought SmackDown, in my opinion, actually was very disappointing. Um, you know, to me, nothing really stood out. I mean, Nakamura's debut, yeah, it was cool, but what did he really do? He debuted to what? Just come out and do his entrance? That's all he did. He had no interaction with anybody, and to me, it's not even a first feud with The Miz. I, 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 we don't know if his first feud is going to be with The Miz. Yeah, he interrupted The Miz, but there was no inter- confrontation. There was no uh, mic you know, back and forth between the two. There was no interaction. The Miz and Maurice got right out of the ring. To me, that doesn't show that that's his first feud at all. To me, I, I don't know what to think. And you know, during commercial, because I was there in attendance, it, Dolph Ziggler comes out. And, and then tells Shinsuke that he wants to be his first match on the main roster, and they're announced for the dark match of SmackDown. So that was during the commercial break of the actual show on television. So to me, it was kind of a, a, a dub, in my opinion. The, the, the debut was very underwhelming, because he did not do anything. He came out to do his entrance. That was it. So to me, a wasted debut for Shinsuke. It's great to see him there, but to me, I mean, it did nothing for me. That really did nothing for me. And uh, the Ty Dillinger debut was cool, too. Beating Kurt Hawkins, I think that made a ton of sense. Uh, Ty Dillinger deserves to be on the main roster. And like you said, he deserves to be on SmackDown as well. But with this new shakeup and stuff, I don't know, man. I, I have a feeling The Miz is going to move to Raw. I have a feeling a couple of things are going to change. So who knows if Shinsuke's first feud is going to be with The Miz uh, after all. I mean, it could be with Dolph Ziggler if, if that's what it was in the dark match. Who knows what it's going to end up being. But to me, very underwhelming. And I really just did not like SmackDown at all because I felt like nothing happened. All right, so I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think, yeah, I mean, other than Nakamura, Dillinger stuff, really nothing stood out. They're continuing this Wyatt Orton stuff. Uh, we didn't see John Cena on the show. But still, I think Nakamura's debut and Dillinger's debut led to a pretty good SmackDown because we saw some new talent. Yeah, Nakamura did not have any inter- 
any interaction with anybody. He did interrupt The Miz, but he didn't get on the microphone with The Miz. But still, to see Nakamura's presence on SmackDown and to know that he's going to be on SmackDown is a pretty cool moment. And the same goes for Ty Dillinger. Heck, Dillinger got a win. We haven't seen this guy got a win in a long time. And he finally got a pinfall victory, even though it's over Kurt Hawkins, who is right now the ultimate jobber that WWE has. He still has a win. He's on SmackDown. So I think those two moments right there alone led to a pretty solid SmackDown. But before we get into our predictions for the upcoming Sakura Genesis show for New Japan Pro Wrestling, we got to talk about this roster shakeup, which will happen next week on Raw. We have to presume both me and Ryan will be in attendance for that show. It's at the new Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York. And from the rumors from what I've heard, this is what I heard so far. AJ Styles is a lock for Raw. That's a guarantee. And it's been a guarantee for some time now. We all know Vince loves loves AJ Styles and he wants him on Raw. That's going to happen. And we heard rumors that AJ's going to go to Raw and in return, a big single star from is going to come from Raw to SmackDown. Now, originally, it was going to be Roman Reigns. That's not the case anymore. I just read up that Roman is going to stay on Raw. So now the question becomes, who is that going to be, who who is going to be that big single star that's going to move to SmackDown? There's a couple of names that I I've thought about. Seth Rollins to me could be the guy. Maybe even Finn Balor. Who the heck knows? I think Seth has a better shot than Finn Balor. Would it make sense? Not really, because Seth is continuing the storyline with Triple H. It looks like, but still, when you look at the rest of the crop of talent, the single stars of Raw. There's really nobody else that makes more sense than Seth Rollins because he is just as big as AJ Styles. He's a, a big star like AJ Styles. Because look, you know, you can trade AJ for Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn has really not proved anything on the main roster. I think he should get a better push, and I think SmackDown would be a good home for Sami. But I think you need a bigger name than Sami Zayn to headline SmackDown, and Sami's just not there yet. And I definitely think a guy like Seth Rollins could be them, could be the guy, or even Finn Balor. So if it's not going to be Roman Reigns. It's going to be pretty interesting to see who is going to take AJ's spot. As we all know, AJ will be on Raw. The New Day is leaving Raw to go to SmackDown. That makes perfect sense. SmackDown needs major help with its tag team division. It's basically been Alpha and the Usos, and that's been it. They don't push any other tag team, so they need some more competition for the tag team titles. And with Raw being stacked now with tag teams, they got the Hardy Boys, they got the Revival, they got Gallus and Anderson, and they got Enzo and Cass. And even, and even Cesaro and Sheamus, that's, those are five great tag teams. One or even two of those tag teams has to go to the other show. New Day, with their popularity, makes the most sense. And we also heard some rumors about the women swapping brands. Charlotte and Alexa Bliss specifically. Charlotte is rumored to go to SmackDown. Bliss going to Raw. Makes perfect sense. Because look, Charlotte is without question the best female competitor in the entire WWE. She's been wrestling Sasha and Bailey for almost her entire run in WWE. She needs new, fresh opponents. And going to SmackDown, she'll have the chance to face off against Naomi, to face off against Becky Lynch, to take on Mickey James, and Bliss, the same thing. Since she started on SmackDown, she's been wrestling Becky Lynch for so many times. She's wrestled uh, Naomi so many times. She needs new opponents. And she goes to Raw, she'll face Sasha Banks, she'll face Bailey, she'll face Emma, maybe Nia Jax. Those would be two good things for, for WWE to do is to swap the women. Sasha's per excuse me, Charlotte's perfect for SmackDown, Bliss is perfect for Raw, 
And that's what I hope is going to happen. Plus some more moves. I think Sammy going to SmackDown has to happen. In order to really give Sami Zayn the opportunity, he has to go to SmackDown. He's not going to succeed on Raw. It's a fact, not an opinion. Sami Zayn is being leapfrogged by so many other talent. He's never going to make it on Raw. If you want to give Sami Zayn a big opportunity, let him go to SmackDown. So we'll see what happens with the shakeup. But that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting AJ to go to Raw with some other big name going to SmackDown to replace AJ's spot. We're going to see New Day move to SmackDown. Makes, makes perfect sense with Raw deep with, with Raw having a deep tag team division. SmackDown needing some new tag teams. New Day going to SmackDown makes a lot of sense. And swapping the women, Charlotte and Alexa Bliss makes a lot of sense. Because without question, you can make a case that Charlotte and Alexa Bliss are the two top female talents that WWE has right now. And I think swapping them on different shows would create a lot of intrigue. Yeah, definitely. I think the Superstar Shakeup is very interesting. Um, I'm excited for it on Monday night. should be good. I think it's better than a draft. I think it's much needed. It ha- has to happen because we need to see uh, new feuds in each division. Like you said, women's division, tag division, uh, you know, for, the, for each championship. You know, we just need to see new stars on, on different brands. I mean, enough is enough now. I'm going to throw out two names I think for, are going uh, from SmackDown to Raw. I think AJ Styles is... is a lock to go to Raw. I think The Miz is going to Raw, too. What else can The Miz possibly do on SmackDown? He's feuded with John Cena. He's feuded for the IC title. Nothing more for The Miz to do. I think he's going to Raw. Like you said, I think Seth Rollins going to SmackDown. I think Sami Zayn going to SmackDown. Uh, New Day to SmackDown. Give him another tag team, too. Have Gallows and Anderson go there, too. Uh, they desperately need it. Uh, like you said, let, let Charlotte go over there. I think that's enough. Uh, have Lex Bliss go over to Raw. I think that's enough. And there you go. I think that's your superstar shakeup. You really don't have to do much more than that. I don't know if they're going to do a whole draft style where they're going to do oh, like a bunch of moves like like they would do in the draft. But I do think you know swap for you know swap two superstars for two superstars. Then you know one or maybe even two from the women's division or one or two from the tag division. And I think that's it. I don't really think much else is going to happen. But definitely looking forward to it. It's definitely going to be much needed for fresher feuds for the future. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. You know, you don't want to see the same stuff over and over again. You move a Charlotte to SmackDown and a Bliss to Raw, it will create more new feuds for each women's division. Same thing goes for the tag team division. You know, SmackDown's tag team division is incredibly weak. It's Alpha, the Usos, and everybody else. And that's a problem. You need more. You need more popular, good tag teams for that division. And I like. I agree. I, I think two tag teams should go to SmackDown. I would say Sheamus and Cesaro instead of Gallus and Anderson because with AJ going back to Raw, you could find a way to bring Gallus and Anderson with AJ back together again to form the club, or even bring Finn Balor into a storyline. I would have moved Gallus and Anderson to SmackDown, keep them on Raw with AJ Styles. So I would move an Enzo and Cass or a Cesaro and Sheamus to SmackDown, along with the New Day, because SmackDown desperately needs it. In terms of Miz, I, I don't see Miz leaving SmackDown. I think he's going to be involved more into the world title picture, which he should. Miz deserves it. He's had a tremendous year. He did his job as a mid-carder. Now he deserves an opportunity to be in the main event scene. I don't see it happening on Raw. There's too many top talents there to wrestle on Raw. So I think him staying on SmackDown and feuding with guys like Seth Rollins, feuding with guys like Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, that makes the most sense for Miz to stay on SmackDown. I think if you're going to do a swap 
with Sami Zayn. Throw Sami Zayn on SmackDown and Dolph Ziggler on Raw. I think Dolph will be better served on Raw than SmackDown. He'll do some good stuff with the mid-carters. So we'll see what happens. But the shakeup will be happening next week on Raw, it looks like. And I'm looking forward to seeing who moves from what show to the other show. Let's cap off the show now uh, with some predictions for this upcoming weekend. New Japan Pro Wrestling is hosting its own pay-per-view, Sakura Genesis, which will take place in Tokyo, Japan. Some pretty damn good matches on the show, so check it out on NewJapanWorld.com. We're going to go through these uh, matches pretty quickly. We'll start off with some six-man tag team action. David Finley, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Manabu Nakanishi take on Hirai Kawato, Katsuya Kitamura and Tomoyuki Oka. Nothing really to explain here. I'm just going to go with the popular guys. Finley, Liger, and Nakanishi. More popular than the other three to me. So, yeah, give me Finley, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Nakanishi for the win. Yeah, exactly. This is usually just a kickoff match. First match, Liger's always involved in it. It, it doesn't really mean anything usually. Uh, the good guys always win, so I'm going to go with them as well. Eight-man tag team action. Bullet Club members Adam Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and the Gorillas of Destiny take on Tiger Mask, Tiger Mask W, Togi Makabe, and Yuji Nagata. Tough pick here, but I'm going to go with the Bullet Club. They need this win. They've been losing as of late. They need to get back on the right track. So give me Bullet Club members G.O.D., Hangman Page, and Takahashi for the victory. Yeah, it's tough to call. Very unpredictable in New Japan. You never know which way they're going to go. I'm going to go with Bullet Club, though, as well. Like you said, they desperately need the win. Haven't done much lately, so win would help them in this spot, especially for guys like Hangman Page and the Grills of Destiny. Six-man tag team action. Chaos members. Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero over Pungi Vice and Yoshihashi. Take on Suzuki Gun members. El Desperado, Takamichi Noku, and Minoru Suzuki. Give me Suzuki Gun, just like... Uh, pull a club. They need this win desperately. You know, they have not been that great since coming back from, uh, coming back to New Japan back earlier, uh, in the year. And Suzuki's in this match. He's by far the best talent out of all the guys in this match. So give me Suzuki gun to knock off chaos. Exactly. Plain and simple. They need the win. They need to get back on the right track. I mean, they came in here, uh, for a reason. They were on a mission and they've been very unsuccessful as of late. So they need to get back on track. I think this would do it. They need to dominate here. Give me Suzuki Gun. Tag team action as well. Again, we have a lot of tag team matches on the show, people. Bullet Club members, Bad Luck Fale and Kenny Omega against Chaos members, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriano. Easy pick. Bullet Club. Bad Luck Fale is coming off a great performance in the New Japan Cup tournament. Kenny Omega is one of the best in the world. Easy win for them over Yano and Ishii. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Kenny Omega picks up the win here. He desperately needs it. He needs to get back on track. Uh, like you said, Bad Luck Fale coming off a tremendous New Japan uh, you know, Cup uh, finals, whatever he made to the finals. He did absolutely awesome in that. Nobody expected that. Uh, so I think Bullet Club has to win here, especially because Kenny Omega is on the other side. So uh, hopefully they do, but I wouldn't be shocked if they give it to Yano and Ishii instead. The run on tag team matches continues with an eight-man tag team match. Los Inglanables de Japón, Bushi, Evil, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito take on the Taguchi Japan, and that is a team of Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, Ricochet, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Could be a dark horse for match of the night. Keep an eye on this match, but easy pick here. LIJ is the best faction in wrestling. They are red hot right now. They'll pick up the win over Taguchi Japan. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, they're red hot right now. They got the belts. 
Uh, you know, like you said, best faction in wrestling right now. How are they going to lose? You know, Taguchi Japan is a very interesting tag team. Uh, I really do like a lot of the guys in that. Juice Robinson, who was really broken out as of late. But like like you said, LIJ, best faction. They got the belts behind them. They got to continue to roll. So I think they'll pick up the win. And then we got some title matches. We'll start off with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Suzuki Gun, Taiche, and Yoshinobu Kimaru. They're the champions. They take on Gato and Jado. Easy pick here. The champs retain. Yeah, Suzuki Gun easily. No, no debate. No debate whatsoever. Uh, another tag team match for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. The current champions, Tenkozin, that is Hiroyoshi Tenzin and Satoshi Kojima, defend the belts against War Machine, Hanson and Rowe. I do believe at some point we're going to see Hanson and Rowe win these belts, but not right now. I think Tenzin and Kojima retain the belts. Should be a fun match. War Machine could win the belts. It won't be shocking if they do. But I'm going to go with the safe pick. Give me Tenkozi to retain. Yeah, same here. Like you said, War Machine has been doing a lot in New Japan lately. They're really breaking out. They're really getting popular over there. I think it's only a matter of time. But I don't think their time comes right now. I think it comes down the line when they get a future shot. Uh, but right now, I think Tenzin and Kojima are going to retain. Then we have the never openweight belt on the line. Hiroki Goto defends the belt against Zack Sabre Jr. Sabre Jr. looking to win his fourth championship. He's right now got three different belts he's carrying. Could he make it four? Possibly. I don't see it. I think Goto retains. Should be an awesome match. Would it be cool to see Sabre Jr. win another belt and make it now Zacky four belts? It would be. But to me, that's too many belts for one guy. Keep the belt on Goto. He deserves it. He's been working hard as of late. Sabre Jr. just broke in. I don't think they're going to give him the belt right away. So give me Goto to retain over ZSJ. I agree. I don't think they're going to give him a fourth belt. Uh, that's a little ridiculous. I know it's not New Japan belts, but still, it doesn't matter. I don't think he's going to come right in and beat uh, Hiroki Goto, who is a legend in Japan. So uh, I think Goto retains easily. Next matchup is the match I'm looking forward to the most. It's for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and I think this is going to be the match of the night. Hiromu Takahashi versus Kushida, a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Their match there was fantastic. I think this match could be even better if they are given enough time, which they will be given enough time because New Japan doesn't care about durations. They just care about great matches. So uh, the rivalry between these two guys has been great. The story has been well told. Takahashi has blossomed into a superstar since becoming champion, since joining LIJ. And I think he's going to retain this belt. I mean, Kushida could win the belt back because she was one of the best in the world for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But Takahashi has been so good as champion. Keep the ball rolling with this guy. Keep him as champion. It makes the most sense for him to retain. So it should be an awesome match. It's my match of the night. Give me Takahashi, though, to retain over Kushida. I agree. I think he's going to retain. I think he has to retain. No point in giving this belt right back to Kushida. We've seen Kushida have this belt and have numerous runs with it. But you just have Takahashi hold on to this and, and go a while with it. I think he's hella entertaining. Very fun to watch. Uh, Kushida is also tremendous, but again, doesn't really need to hold this belt. I am looking forward to it. Like you said, rematch from Wrestle Kingdom. Could be the match of the night. But Hiromu Takahashi in the end, hopefully, is successful in his retain. And finally, we have the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Kazuchika Okada defends the belt against Katsuyori Shibata, who won the New Japan Cup and earned this opportunity. Uh, this is going to be an awesome match. I think this is for the first time ever that we see these two guys wrestling each other for the championship. Well-deserved for Shibata. He deserves it. This guy's worked so hard for many years in New Japan. He deserves the opportunity. 
Unfortunately, though, he's not going to win this match. I just don't see it happening. Okada's going to retain this belt because I still believe at some point it's going to be Kenny Omega that will take the belt away from Okada. Nobody else. It should be Kenny Omega, not Shibata, not Naito, not Tanahashi. If there's anybody that should take that belt from Okada, it's most definitely Kenny Omega. And I think we're going to see that over the summer. I think Omega gets his rematch and he'll beat Okada. This should be an awesome match between Shibata and Okada. But to me, Shibata is not going to win the match. Okada retains. Yeah, easy pick here. Okada, again, will retain this belt. I think it's going to be a tremendous match. Like you said, I don't think they've ever really faced off against each other. So I'm very excited to see it. I think it's going to be great. Obviously, this is the match everybody's looking forward to. It's got a lot of hype behind it. It's got a, some good build from uh, based off of the road shows. So, again, looking forward to it. But Okada's going to retain. And there you have it. This, this upcoming weekend, Sunday, I believe it is, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, on NewJapanWorld.com, not not 4 p.m., 4 a.m. Eastern Time, excuse me. I think it's actually 3 a.m. Eastern. 3 a.m., all right. So 3 3 a.m. Eastern Time, April the 9th, Sakura Genesis on NewJapanWorld.com. Check it out. Should be another excellent show for New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's all the time we got, people. Thank you for tuning in. Again, guys, if you happen to miss us live, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Royal Ramble IYR. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And on Instagram, at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Check us out, man. We put together some good stuff on social media. We will be back next Thursday to uh, recap Sakura Genesis, recap the uh, the superstar sh- um, the uh, the superstar shakeup for Raw and SmackDown. We'll talk about uh, give our thoughts on that. Plus some other stuff. We got to talk about the women's classic. We did not get the chance to talk about it on this show. Next week, me and Ryan will dive into what to expect with the WWE women's classic, which will take place this summer. So hopefully you guys tune in for that. We'll see you guys next Thursday here on itsyourradio.com. I'm your host Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martirano. This has been the Royal Rainbow Wrestling Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday here on itsyourradio.com.